What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Season Gaming Big Cast, episode 187 this week. Beautiful Sunday morning. We've got uh, Packers out of the playoffs. I just have to put that in right at the start. <laughs> <laughs> I am your host, Ainsley Bowden, joined by my partners in crime, as always, Mr. Ty Guy Travis Law this morning. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I, have a, I don't know if you guys know about this, but I've been running a YouTube video channel for some time where we... Uh, we give legal advice from somebody who has not passed the bar exam, but I have skipped a lot of exams to be at bars, which I think is kind of the same. Um, mm. You kind you of give legal advice on YouTube. That's that's bold. I do. Yeah, bold. yeah. And in, in fact, in fact, at the end of all of our YouTube videos, we have a disclaimer that says this is legal advice. You should use this in law. Yeah. And uh, we have a lot of lawsuits pending. So it's pretty great. Uh, it's pretty, pretty well, it great. Works out. Yeah. yeah, it all works out great, man. It works out great. Anyway, we're also here with Dan, right? Who's been acquired, it seems. And yeah, yeah. I, yeah this they, is my last season gaming episode. Um, <laughs> you know, until I, I'm going to be going exclusive to uh, something nice. Else. Yeah. Know, first party. They offered him a bowl yeah. of peanuts, and I couldn't compete. And uh, you know, a, a literal, <laughs> a literal bowl of peanuts, and I, I just can't. Yeah. They were cashews, to be fair. You know? <laughs> it's not. It's not that you couldn't compete, Ains. It's that you weren't willing to. You yeah, know? It's I mean, kind of, yeah, they're my yeah. peanuts. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> my peanuts, join, my choice. <laughs> joining us this week, uh, the the guests I reached out to right away. Um, one of the people I like most on our Twitter space and YouTube space who I thought would be perfect for this conversation. I'm sure our audience knows him well. The host of Virtual Legality, Mr. Richard Hogue himself. Good morning, sir. Hey, good morning. Yeah, thank you for having me. And yeah, I have to admit, Ty Guy Travis looks much more the part of a lawyer than I do. Uh, <laughs> but I think I'm, I still have my law degree. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. And he's not also made my disclaimer won't. responsibilities much, much longer now. Of course, everything I say is not legal advice. <laughs> and you're not my client. <laughs> it's all funny until yeah. someone gets disbarred. That's that's yeah. true. Yeah, which which happened to Travis in the last thirty seconds since we. It's true. Talking. Yeah, yeah. I've now preemptively been disbarred. Which is great. <laughs> it's the first time they've done it. It's a new thing they're trying. So. <laughs> so before we dive into what we're currently playing and a few other things, I just want to say real quick, Rich, it is a pleasure to have someone who recognizes that Mass Effect One is the goat <laughs> you know what i mean it's nice to have don't worry i've muted the other two guys so we're good we can i, talk I like about... this is a long form bit uh, just a long series of uh, hoag appearances where we talk about mass effect yeah uh and uh no i mass effect one obviously the best i think we can all tell that after the remaster clearly the yeah. best story clearly the best narrative uh but sure. yes you're just gonna get me in trouble we're, get, we're gonna yeah. get people heated before we start talking about minor things like huge right. acquisitions yeah i mean the comments are over there those two clowns are muted we're good we can just talk about <laughs> mass effect one <laughs> all right you guys are back moving on um so Richard, <laughs> before we jump into the top of course um we want to kind of um Talk to our guests just a little bit sure. beforehand. So, uh, Rich, um, one question I want to pose to you just for the audience uh, is what is your favorite gaming series or game of all time and why? Sure. Well, th those are two different answers, but certainly the series that I've had the most enjoyment with and love the most is Final Fantasy. Okay. Uh, I, I grew up uh, uh, probably a little bit earlier than some of your listeners, some of your viewers, and, and Final Fantasy <laughs> was really specifically two and three in the Super Nintendo area the first time that I was really figuring out that narrative could be portrayed in video games. And that's really where I love gaming. 
Uh, I love the stories that can be told in long form with characterization and things like that. And we've gotten a little bit away from that as, as other things have become more popular uh, in the 21st century. But that's really where I came to gaming. I was at the same time doing Space Quest and King's Quest and other things we might talk about today uh, as, as being, you know, moved around various owners. But that's what I really loved. But my favorite game of all time is actually a game called Star Control 2 that I don't know how many people are familiar with, but that brought kind of a Star Trek humor approach to an open world way before people were making open world games out of everything. Uh, and, and that's my favorite game of all time because it's so dynamic and because it has that rich narrative and frankly has one of the best story arcs in gaming even still. And that's from the early 90s. Uh, yeah. So those two things are really what I'm all about is, is storytelling and interactivity. Uh, and that's what I love. Man, the fact that you mentioned King's Quest, Space Quest, and Star Control all at the opening just means you and I got to talk a lot more. Um, <laughs> because, I mean, that's a huge part of my history when I was growing up as a kid. Um, King's Quest, I actually have a really funny story that I'm not going to dive into today. But yeah, we got to talk more. That's for sure. Sure. Um, so on the spot question for you, what do you think is the worst game you've ever played in your entire life? <laughs> The worst game I've ever worst played game. is going to be something junky in terms of like, you know, 99 cent, uh, what have you. The, the worst game that I've played that actually got some kind of push behind it, sales push, is going to be, oh, gee whiz. I don't know. I, I don't usually file the, the bad stuff in for too terribly long. That's why this is an on-the-spot question, just to see yeah, what you come up with. I don't I, You know, let, let, let's, let's, I'm going to tweak it a little bit because that's what lawyers and you know, politicians do. <laughs> He's already starting, guys. He's already yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm familiar with really this tactic. Early stage Xbox game that was really pushed by Microsoft that I was pumped about. This was going to be an answer to what Sony was doing, and I thought they were really going to get places with it. And I was so disappointed with a game called Brute Force. I knew yeah. I don't know how many people remember. <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of remember an alligator man on the front of the <laughs> yeah, cover. Yeah. But I got in there for about five minutes. And you're like, oh, okay, all right. This this isn't what I thought it was going to be. And there's there's a whole host of games like that where they got the full EGM game pro whatever yeah. treatment. And you're like, oh, this is going to be interesting and exciting. And it isn't quite what you wanted it to be. I, I always view your experience with a video game is really being a function of what expectations you brought to the party. Sure. Uh, so I'm always so excited to play something that I thought was going to be crap. Like for this, this weekend, for instance, I've been playing with my brother who is now a developer at X at, at Microsoft was formerly a developer at Activision. I don't even know what the disclaimer should be for conversations like this. doesn't matter. Uh, but I'm playing with him. Um, Rainbow six extraction. Right, which I had absolutely no preconceptions about, didn't care about. And we've had a good time because of good. that, right? No bar to clear, absolutely no expectations at all. And hey, we're having some fun. Game Pass helps that. We'll also right. talk about that today, I'm sure. Yep. Uh, that price of entry is pretty good. Uh, but expectation is always part of that story to me. So when you ask me what's the worst game I played, I, I'd have to think about it further. Maybe something will jump in later on in the conversation, but it's going to be something I was excited about. That really let me down. I, I like, specifically remember a quote about Brute Force saying, "This is Xbox's next Halo." I, um, it was. It had that kind of marketing push behind it. It, it did. Really, it really did. Just, just promise me one thing: no matter where we are in the conversation and stuff, just yell it out, like randomly. Just yell if the I think, game out. Just, I figured, oh, that's the one. Yeah. Just yell out just a game. Like, okay. Fusion Frenzy. 
or something like that. Just like I love screaming. fusion frenzy. It's not gonna be. Yeah, that. me too. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, um, obviously uh, today we're going to be talking about you know obvious topic, right? The biggest thing of the week. Um, just before we jump into all those details, because that's going to be literally the entire show is anything interesting you guys are playing and i know um travis i know you're playing dying light 2 i don't know if you can talk about it yet i can oh well then uh why don't you give the audience at least a little insight into dying light 2 because i'm not playing it yeah yeah so i've been working on the review game comes out february 4th i believe um Mm -hmm. so I, i got it quite a few quite a bit in advance and um I'm about 50 hours into it uh, so far. Wow. Yeah. So you're 10, you're 10% of the way there, apparently. I am 50 hours into it, and I have just completed the first campaign story mission. What? Uh, You've yes. just been exploring the world and kind of doing no, your thing? No, I've been working on the story, Ains. <laughs> What? <laughs> so when this thing got delayed, they just kept they just kept building it. Apparently, <laughs> yeah. Apparently, they just added stuff to I, it. I'm very so, confused right now, so please continue. Exactly. So let me explain. The first mission of the game is you're trying to get from outside of the part of the city into the center of the city. Sure. That's yep. your mission. That's Do 50 it. hours? Just get there. And getting there turns out to be one of the hardest things ever because you basically have to like end a war between two factions and all this other stuff and it takes about 50 hours to do that and so then you get to the center of the city and that first mission you get at the beginning that says get to the center of cities like you did it good job part one of the mission done and, <laughs> and then, then you it really opens the, up then it really opens up the, <laughs> the open world gets about gets about three times as big when you get to the city wow. center um so it it is a it is a fantastic game uh oh, so far it's very good um the the movement and the uh, the parkour is like better than ever, and and you're you're constantly incentivized to like upgrade that and and increase your mobility and make things uh, better and faster and and all these little tricks you you can you can uh, pull off um, that are really cool. And then same thing with combat. I would say like so far the combat is a little weaker. Like at least from what I've played, I've not gotten super deep into it, but it's like it's all melee combat because there's no guns in the city. They like confiscated all the guns before. Uh, the outbreak um so it kind of has like a condemned feel you know um except for so far the it's it's pretty straightforward it's like you know there's like a perfect parry and once you learn how to do that nobody can beat you it's like okay you you know (laughs) it's got it's got kind of that problem that assassin's creed games have where like you'll be surrounded by eight guys but only one will attack you at a time to be fair and so you never feel like (laughs) you're in any danger it's like all right i know one of them's gonna attack and then i'll just parry that guy and beat him up um but yeah it's um it's pretty good. Uh, I think I'm allowed to talk about pretty much openly about like the first 10 hours and, and give my first impressions, okay. just no final reviews. So what, what, um, yeah, the, the, the embargo is pretty, uh, is pretty lenient and, okay. and um, yeah, I, I'm really enjoying it so far though. The one thing that is obviously holding it back is it's, it's very buggy. It's very buggy. Oh, no. <laughs> like, uh, After all this yeah. time. I mean, but oh. here's the thing, like it, it's sort of buggy in the way you'd expect. Like there's like, there's like goofy, um, you know, animations that go wrong. There's not like anything that's been like straight up broken where it's like, okay, this doesn't actually, there was one thing that was broken. There was a side quest where it kept saying, please wait on a character because the character was talking. And then when they were done talking, I couldn't click on them and I tried everything to do it and I just couldn't resolve mm-hmm. the side quest, but it didn't break the game or anything like that. I've had, I've had the game crash a couple times too. Um, but this, the checkpointing and save system is all automatic and that's, it's pretty straightforward. Okay. So yeah, n- nothing that's like terrible. It's sort of like, 
typical Bethesda game glitches where it's like, okay, okay. like things are a little wonky, but it's not like actively destroying the game or whatever. Getting a, a so. wide range of comments here about 50 yeah. hours <laughs> not being a good thing that early. I can't speak for everybody, but I, I don't, man, that sounds m- much more like a negative to me than a positive <laughs> in terms of what I can accomplish in a video game. And yeah, that's, so that's I, somewhat like where we are in life, at least where yeah, I am. Yeah. <laughs> and you're not alone. I, I actually, what my my first reaction when I saw those 500 hour posts was I laughed at that and was like, that's terrible. And then I, and then I uh, laughed at whoever, whoever um, was going to have to review it, not knowing that that was me. But uh, um, part of the reason it took me 50 hours to complete the first mission is because I was doing a lot of like the side quests and trying sure. to level up my parkour and stuff. I w- I'm guessing you could probably get into the city center and complete that if you didn't care about like, because the story is really complicated. You're trying to solve like a murder mystery in the in the opening area and end a war and you can kind of dig in as much as you want. And some of the side quests are related to unraveling that mystery. So they kind of really encourage you to do them, but you could just kind of pick a side and then dive into the city center and probably get there in a couple hours. It just took me like 50 because I'm now like almost fully leveled up in my parkour. Like I've got <laughs> dope weapons and, and I've done all these side quests. So I'm like, I'm ready to just like push through the rest of the game. And uh, it, it keeps surprising me, man. They just like add new stuff. Like I just got a, uh, like a, a a glider now i can fly around and stuff so uh oh, so I'm this just is like, the rest of the wild moment for dying light is that what you're saying just an boy, hour oh 50, boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i don't know i think dying light might have had some sort of floating device uh in if not in the base game in one of the dlcs or something so when did yeah, that game come out it seems a while ago dying light was 2015 15 okay 14 yeah I thought it was 15. Um, if it wasn't 14, then 15 was the yeah. expansion pass or the DLC that came out. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I still remember it in my head as the not Dead Island. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It was a lot better than Dead Island. It though. was. Yeah. It was. Um, how how, how was the horror aspects? Yeah. So I was going to talk to you about that, Dan, because yeah, I by and large, the game isn't that scary, including at mm. nighttime. But it does have like some <laughs> parts where it's like, okay, you're walking through like an underground alley and then something will you know, like jump scare at you and you're like, yeah. you're like, no, no, it's not really jump scares. It's that oh, okay. some of the zombies are, have like supernatural powers. And like one of them sure. is like a witch, witch like, and has like really long claws and like jumps in the air and like makes like a witch scream at you. And oh, like wh- every time that happens to me, I'm like this lady. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's more that like certain stuff happens organically that like weirds you out every once in a while, but it's rare. I would say it's, it's overall mm-hmm. rare. It's not like at nighttime, you're just like, you're just like, you know, pissing yourself. You're just like scared right. to death. Like, if I can like see stuff all. coming, I'm all right. You, you can see it coming most of the time. Most of the time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, mm. So not, not really any jump scares, but I would say if you're, if you're worried about horror, it's not, it's really not that it's not, it's not intending to be a horror game. The stuff that scared me has been like accidental. Like I wasn't paying attention and the zombie was like behind me. I turned around. I was like, Oh God, like I didn't realize you were there, but um, yeah, not, not anything that's going to, um, you know, Make you have to put on your depends a little early in the day, Dan. I mean, Dan, now that you're first party for Xbox, just make yeah. sure the game comes to Game Pass and you'll be good. You can just try yeah. it. I'll be fine. Right. Perfect. Yep. <laughs> All right. Makes sense. All right, oh, guys. Man. So should we go ahead and jump in? Jump into the this let's small little topic that arose this week. Mm. So uh let's go ahead and jump over, I guess. Um Xbox buying Activision Blizzard. Uh, we're obviously not the first ones to talk about this. People have been talking about it all week. Uh, the core details here, just to kind of overlay for this conversation. So 
<clears throat> Microsoft and Xbox acquire Activision Blizzard in principle for $68.7 billion in a cash transaction. This broke down to approximately 90 or broke down to $95 per share, which obviously a lot lower than Activision Blizzard's high, but significantly over current stock value at the time of the transaction. Activision Blizzard has about 10,000 total employees uh, across nine studios. Those studios can be broken up a few different ways, but at, at its core, it's nine studios uh, with approximately 3,700 core developers as well. Um which is, you know, significant. Perhaps the most significant thing I saw out of the press release that Xbox sent about this was they have a 400 million player monthly active um, user base. So if you if you incorporate everything, obviously King Mobile with Candy Crush, Call of Duty, all these things, they touch 400 million people a month that play their games. This is this deal is set to close in Microsoft's 2023 fiscal year, which officially begins July 1st of this year, 2022, and runs through June 30th of next year. So it could close at any point in that period uh, legally. And of course, uh, one of the things we'll talk about a little further here in a bit is that uh, Bobby Kotick is still in charge of Activision Blizzard until this deal officially closes, assuming it closes. We'll talk about that, too. And um, <clears throat> yeah, the kind of the the consensus at the moment is that uh you know once it's done he'll report to phil spencer but it's pretty widely accepted that he is going to depart uh once that occurs so what i'll say right at the start is uh you know what let me i'm apologize i'm going to interrupt real quick because we had a super chat from a while back that i forgot to get to so dan let's knock these two super chats out real quick and then we'll get yeah, into man. the conversation what we got here all right bad boy horror horror just talking about it with the five pound super chat more uh more noon all all right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i welcome our new microsoft overlords and our transference to game pass lackeys yeah and no doubt yeah that's pretty much it bad boy thank <laughs> you very yeah. much man yes man. always appreciate support let me get to the other one i'm sorry i'm scrolling i'm scrolling ah wondering dutch another five pound super chat thank you sir what are your desires dan whoa it looks, whoa yeah it's, it's, it's mostly, it? yeah it's mostly ice cream and and uh sugary drinks that's <laughs> wandering Dutch is a madam of the house apparently <laughs> thank you very much man appreciate it good yeah, to see man, you all right uh, so guys and uh rich i'll start with you as as the guest sure. is <clears throat> i don't know about you guys but uh funny enough i think was this tuesday morning uh yes. that this occurred so that's of all days now went crazy yes yeah, I can imagine. So <laughs> I woke up. I usually wake up about 6, 630 um, in the morning, central time. The one day I chose to sleep until eight because I was at love late Monday night. I wake up and I see absolute chaos when I log on to Twitter and everything in the morning. And I I first saw it and I kind of did a double take. I don't know about you guys, but I did a double take and I'm like, who the hell's joking about Xbox buying Activision? Like, you know, what's going on here? And then started to realize that this was real. And I had to kind of, you know, I took a step back and tried to think about the you know everything that we've joked about this week the ramifications of that deal but rich what were your thoughts when you first saw this like the first thing that kind of came to mind well i mean i think in my first video i called it stunning i don't think there's any question that it seemingly came out of nowhere for people that are even following the industry and it's such a big deal and is so clearly kind of a sea change type moment for how the industry operates microsoft's enthusiasm for putting resources into it that you get that kind of stunned reaction, almost like an accident on the on the road or something, and then you start to reflect on it. Uh, but yeah, I, I had the same experience on Tuesday morning. I had 
so on Monday I had put up a video. This is the this is the nature of content creators and social media. I'd put up a video on the Supreme Court's decisions on the vaccine mandates. And uh, I, I like to think it was, you know, both sided. And we looked at exactly what they decided in these two separate cases. But when you do that on YouTube or Twitter or elsewise, you always think, well, somebody's going to turn around and spin a mob on you. And so when you wake up to whatever I had, 570 emails that were sorted into asking me questions about my YouTube channel uh, and, and video games and however many tweets and DMs I had, I said, oh, God, all right, what did I do? What fire am I putting out today on Tuesday? And then after that, you start to look through it and you say, oh, oh, OK. And I think I tweeted out that morning. Oh, I got some emails today. I wonder what's going on. Oh, and, and that was the tweet I put out. So I, I looked at it and said, well, clearly we're doing a video. I mean, I, I jumped up out of bed and said, OK, we're doing this right now. Um, and I haven't stopped. I don't know. We're at seven videos on the topics. There's so many angles to explore, so many different things to discuss. And unfortunately, so much kind of either commentary or even reporting that gets a few things a little bit wrong or a little bit too opinionated that I feel like virtual legality, if it exists for any reason at all, is to hopefully get a little bit more information out there. Not that I'm the be all end all of correctness on this kind of stuff or that the only person whose opinion matters is mine but just to get a little bit more information out there. And if, if folks don't watch virtual legality or they don't know me, I grew up in law doing mergers and acquisitions and venture capital. So when we talk about merger documents and Axios gets that a little bit wrong, I'd be like, all right, okay, let's talk about that. This is a little bit wrong because that gets filtered through four different journalistic outlets. I'm like, all right, let's, let's try to talk about all these things. And that's what I've been doing. And fortunately I've been in that position to be blessed, to be invited to shows like yours, to have these commentaries, I, I don't even know how many quotes I gave on Tuesday, um, but it's been it's been fascinating to see how different people react to it because you got the usual kind of console warriors at the bottom and they're doing their thing <laughs> that you would expect. Haha, we got you, Sony, everything else. Um, but right above that, you got the people that are actually industry interested in the industry. And then right above that, you've got institutional investors. You've got investment firms asking questions and commenting on, you know, wherever, Bloomberg, Wall Street Journal, New York mm -hmm. Times, and all of those kind of coalescing together in a fashion that the gaming industry, I, I don't think has seen that spotlight on it maybe ever. Yeah. Um, and so it's been fascinating to both watch the actual news, the gaming industry's reaction to it, and then the coverage of it. And that's you know, that's part of what I do on my channel is, is look at how press releases work and how communications work and messaging. Uh, and it's been super interesting all week. Yeah. Yeah. You're not lying about that. Funny enough, my 80 year old mom is still staying here from the holidays at my house right now. And that morning she's like, Hey, I read something in the news about <laughs> Microsoft buying Activision. Have you seen this? I was like, yes, mom. Yes. And that's my father, right? Like two days later, he sends me a thing from the New York times. I'm like, on it, Dad. Yeah, I'll, I'll get on <laughs> hey, that did right you away. see this? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, obviously wild, and 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 you know, it's it's kind of funny, um, Rich, because I don't know about you guys, but we were joking before the show that Twitter, in my feed at least, I didn't realize that I followed so many lawyers. Uh, it, mm. it was amazing this week how many degrees were suddenly just you know put forth. So uh, yeah, definitely yeah. interesting this. Week. Let me say this. I, I like people having opinions on these things. I like people getting engaged with this stuff. I like people thinking further about how business and law and contracts and these kind of systems and things interlocked to create the world in which we live. 
But one of the things you learn in law school pretty fast, and as you operate as a lawyer actually practicing, is you don't make guarantees. There aren't guarantees, especially when you're thinking about how a third party is going to think about something when you have regulators looking at things. And so you get a lot of folks on social media that are very passionate about their position. And that position might be borne out in the long term. But what we talk about in virtual legality, what the law really is when you talk about a deal like this is nuance, yeah. right? So you get a tweet that says, well, Microsoft's lawyers wouldn't have let this go through if it could have any problems. It's like, that's not how lawyering works, folks. What, what happens, you get a memo and they say, here's the current situation. Here's the chances of things happening. Do you want to go forward with it? Do you want to expend this money, this time, these press releases, whatever? And then you evaluate that and you give that to your client. In that case, if you're internal, it's your client, the actual company. If you're external, it's talking to someone at that company and they evaluate it. That's what business people do. So there are no guarantees in this kind of thing. And we'll talk about that. I'm sure we'll talk about the regulating environment yeah. as part of this discussion. But that's where I think social media, and I don't blame people for that, gets kind of, this is right, this is wrong. And yeah. you saw the same kind of things with like Epic versus Apple, right? One of the very first reactions to Epic suing Apple was they wouldn't have done this if they weren't right. They have this big famous law firm. It's like, uh, people, lose, people lose cases, you know? And so when I'm on my channel saying it's a very tough case to make, yeah. I'm not coming out of nowhere with that. Yeah. It's absolutely so right. It's like people want to social media. People want to speak in absolutes always. And yeah. It's like, it's, and I don't it's, blame them. It's a, it's an easier world to live in if it's black and white. Unfortunately, the law is the wrong place to be looking for that certainty. Sure, sure, sure. We get this uh, super chat from Lucius. Yeah, Lucius, $5. Thank you, sir. I had to show my support for the Lord of Legality. Hey, thank yeah, you. Yeah, all right. Hogue has some great content, and I will always hype up his content. Very nice of you. Yeah, Appreciate awesome, it, man. Thank Thanks you. For coming out today. Yeah, thank you very much. All right, yeah. guys. Dan. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I like you were surprised. Yeah, I, mean, I, I have no idea what's happening. Yeah. That's, that's, so that's basically I, where I'm in. Well, I was going to ask you because I, I know, you know, in terms of personal investment into things of this nature, you are one who stays as far away from it as I think anyone I know. Um, mm. So, I mean, we always joke it's just bring you games, right? So, what I would say, though, is when you first saw this was a real thing, buying Activision Blizzard, what was what was your reaction to it? Wow. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing what money can do. Um, I, I don't know, man. It, it's it's one of those things. And I'm glad Rich is here because, yeah, I don't know anything about how the law works. And it, that, and that's that's kind of where my mind goes first. Like, where does you know, is this going to work out great? You know, and then it kind of goes to, you know, where is Xbox going to, you know, what are they going to do with these IPs? Because this isn't Bethesda level. All right, this is 10 times Bethesda level. And and I'm not a huge fan, to be honest, of, of this kind of acquisition, but that's only because I don't know what's going to happen, right? That's not because I know this is, it, it's going to go this way, this way, this way. It's because, you know, the, the future kind of becomes uncertain with some of these IPs and, and, and with some of these studios. I don't, hundred percent know how it's all going to work out um you, you know you can read you know comments from like phil and, and and you can take it you know five different ways i think you know it's like oh this is what he said but <laughs> what does he mean can His he word, say this you know it's just like, yeah immediately yeah. if you go to that one tweet you know it's just like you know there's like Five thousand comments, all of which are different, and what he's, you know, what what he's, what he's, what he means by what he said, you know. I'm just like, I have 
Still have no idea. See, and the cynical corporate lawyer is much more optimistic and positive about that tweet than, I, I don't know, 90% of people. It's very interesting to That's me. We good. could talk about the environment in which that tweet was made at some point if yeah. you want. But uh, it, there's reasons to believe it is more sincere than people want to put on it. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, I, that's that's the thing, you yeah. know. I mean, it's it's it, when when they did acquire Bethesda, I think he tweeted something out similar, just like you know, this is what our plans are. This is, you know, we want to bring games to as many people as we can, you know. And I, yeah, I, obviously, you I, know, I think the the operative part of that tweet was that like he said uh, something about we want to make this game or we, you know, desire, want to make it, yes. desire to make it on it. You know what I mean? And I think right, that, yeah. that play is, yeah, we want game pass on PlayStation. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, if, if they're willing to put game pass on PlayStation, we have no problem continuing to make Call of Duty multiplayer. I think, I think it's probably something like that, but we'll see. I, I don't I'm, think there's any question that it is. If the terms are right, can be read into that Twitter, whether course. or not that's game pass or not. Uh, is interesting, right? And and just to, I guess, kind of give a teaser on the long-form conversation here is we are in a regulatory environment where there are going to be people that are at least mildly concerned about yep. consolidation in the industry, yep. especially for the world's yeah. biggest major console game. And so one of the things that is motivating messaging from Microsoft is looking like a good citizen uh, at this point in time and and reversing course on that even shortly after something like the deal going through or something like that wouldn't necessarily be a great move. And so I do think that there were versions of that tweet that could have been even more neutral. If you go back and you you look at the Bethesda Zenimax tweets, I think he does an even better or more specific job of skating the line. Hey, we we calculated out the ROI. Starfield ain't coming to PlayStation was known the minute they bought the thing. And if mm -hmm. you actually watch his communications, they're ambiguous. And I actually call him to task for that in, in a video of mine. Uh, but this time, it's it's if you're if you're charting this on some kind of line, it's much closer to we intend future Call of Duty to be on the yeah. PlayStation. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and, then, and that's the thing, you know. Yeah. And then you know, from there, your my mind kind of goes to the economic side of this. Sure, you know, and and it's always you know you see the warriors out there and they're it's just like yeah. they don't need to do this they don't need to do this I'm like yeah but yeah, they could you know it, it, there's so much stuff they could do like what and so I said, you know, I, I kind of sit down, I kind of look up some stuff and say, okay, what are the economic impacts of, you know, not only just for, for Xbox and this merger and, and how much money they're going to be making, which is insane, but how much does, you know, do other console manufacturers lose? You know, how much does Sony lose by, you know, if this happens this way, okay? And then I look at it, okay, well, well if it happens this way, you know, it, there, there's so, like you said, there's so much nuance. Yeah. to this whole conversation and and it's i don't like you know I, I will stick to i'm not a huge fan of these big mergers only because of the unknown and um if it works out great you know and i i hope it does and i hope you know I, for me it's always about the games just keep giving me games I, I don't care necessarily about your you know you know how much you're making i mean i'm not i don't look at microsoft to think that there's some kind of benevolent you know god that you know hands me this stuff on a silver platter constantly it's just not the way i look at stuff it, it's i, I just want to it's interesting to watch and it's it's fun to see the industry shaking up a little bit um but i would be lying if i said i was just you know without concern i guess you know but we'll see what happens and it's gonna well, be fun i to, think there's definitely i think there's definitely a certain fantasy football-esque entertainment value of 
things wildly moving around and going, whoa, what, sure. what the heck is the future right. look like? Definitely. Yeah. Um, I also share concerns, as anybody should, I think, with consolidations because you don't know what the future is going to look like. And as a Star Wars fan, as a fan of things that Disney owns now, one mm -hmm. thing that I would be concerned about long term is just kind of the flavor profile that when you have one board of directors, one Phil Spencer, one direction for these huge number of developers and publishers, it's not that it's a bad flavor, but you can get into a position where, uh, you know, that's a Disney movie. That's a Microsoft game. And, and that does start to concern if you like, as I do, uh, a little bit more variety. Tasting That's a true. few different things. Now, the indie scene is still going to be around. I love them to death. They're fantastic. I've been playing sure. Nobody Saves the World all weekend. Fantastic yeah, game. Uh, but for the AAA, we are getting into a place where it's like, do you like a Sony over-the-shoulder third-person open-world adventure? Okay. <laughs> they'll deliver that. Does and, and will Microsoft get in the same kind of sticky yeah. wicket? We don't know yet. I I don't, yeah, I don't think uh, Xbox uh, curates their games as much as PlayStation does. Because PlayStation as yet. definitely has a certain flavor, but Xbox has got like Gears of War on one hand and then like Ori in the Blind Forest. And it's just sort of all over the place from what we've seen so far. Yeah, so but I do think we're going to see a more centralized and more interested from the mothership Microsoft <laughs> on Microsoft gaming. I do think one of the things that kind of slips under this story is that they are reorganizing their gaming division into one of their pillars. Uh, that Phil Spencer's got a new title. He's CEO, yes. I believe it's Microsoft yeah, Gaming. And that might seem like nothing because he was already the head of gaming. That Very does good. signal to me and investors, I think, that, that they intend gaming to be something of a pillar service like their Windows or their cloud architecture or something yeah. along those lines. And that does mean a lot of good things for resources. It also means the Microsoft board, the CEO, and the higher up above Phil, they're going to be paying more attention. To yep. where those resources are going and that makes sense you don't spend what is pretty close to a hundred billion dollars in three years uh and not watch it closely scrutiny. even if it's pocket change to a company for worth sure. 2.2 trillion yeah scrutiny for sure in fact it's funny you mentioned the ceo of uh gaming at microsoft because that was when we got the kind of press package that's one of the things that jumped out to me right away i'm like oh that's a completely different title like to that some is. people Few different Not words head of xbox. That, that means a whole different thing than head of xbox mm -hmm. yeah. it does no that's yeah. right yeah it's funny uh I let me get these super that. chats real quick sorry travis one Ooh, real man. quick <laughs> tau ten dollar super chats what's up everyone glad to see ho breaking it down for us live that's right travis is over here spinning his arm all right dan <laughs> dan you still got a stream boyfriend dungeon travis keep up the good fight ains because we're family oh, <laughs> have a great day good day Sal, thank you so much brother always appreciate it uh, I yeah. got one more from, uh, from some Luke. guy. I don't know who this guy is. Yeah. yeah. It's a weird looking <laughs> avatar. Anyway, if you were at Activision Studio, thank you, Luke, for the $2 super chat. I'm biased. Toys kidding. for Bob used to make Star Control 2. We just started the, the, the video. <laughs> there, you there you go. So I didn't realize Toys for Bob was the company that made that. That's it. Well, it's not, but the two founders of Toys for Bob sure. are. Yeah. Sure. Luke, thank you very much for the super chat. Um, yeah, man. I don't know if I have a favorite suit. They have Vicarious Visions over there. They did. Uh, it's true. It did. Yeah. I mean, yeah. People from them, same kind of conversation. <laughs> so uh, we're going to get into a little more onto the IPs and things like that uh, sure. shortly. Here. Um, Travis, you were going to say something before we jump to Super Chat. Sorry. Oh, yeah. I just I didn't give my initial um, kind of reaction, which was I was kind of relieved when I saw the news because there's been that question in the news lately about what the heck is going to happen to Activision because of the way they've mismanaged the culture of their business and they're getting kind of attacked 
from the bottom by their employees and from the top by the the government in California. Um, and they're sort of they've sort of been a troubled uh, a company for a while, not in terms of revenue stream, um, but they have had a lot of their games delayed, especially Blizzard. Blizzard, I would say, has been like a non-functional studio for a while. Um, just, you know, Overwatch and they, they haven't come out with a new IP since 2016. I think Overwatch was the last time that they came out with something. So, um, yeah, there there's been kind of that that question and then all the drama with Bobby Kotick and, you know, people's lives are at stake. Franchises people like are at stake. And so this to me seems like it, it was the inevitable outcome. I didn't really know how this was going to be resolved. But as soon as I saw that they'd got bought, I was like, well, yeah, duh. How did none of us see that coming? Like. <laughs> they, they probably were looking for an exit and Microsoft got a really good deal on them uh, at 70 billion. I, I think just based on the usual market cap. Pocket change. And so, I mean, yeah, I mean, Travis is billion right. dollars here, a billion dollars there. And uh, pretty soon we're talking real money. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, the, the, I, I just think that like, you know, some people have, have kind of bemoaned um, uh, the, the kind of um, I'm sorry, the, the word is failing me of, um, of 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 uh, companies absorbing other companies and consolidation and sort of consolidation. Thank you. I've, I've heard the word like a hundred times and couldn't remember. Um, <laughs> they come too like, easily to yes, me, Travis. These words come too easily yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah, some people some people worry about consolidation, and I totally get that. I don't really think that the games industry is in any any real danger of consolidation. And I also think on the Game Pass front, in terms of that service becoming a monopoly, I think there's lots of competitors that are kind of up and coming. We see EA doing things and Ubisoft doing things, but also Stadia and Amazon, who I think are probably going to be the real competitors in the next decade or so, are, are doing their own um, their own uh, subscription services as well. So I think the market's pretty healthy. And in this case, it's a it's like a wounded animal that was limping along that sort of got got you know taken out and and brought into a more healthier uh, company and I think that that's better for the employees and it's better for the the IPs that people care about so um, I I would be more concerned if if Microsoft spent seventy billion and bought every indie studio that they could with with seventy billion they'd probably be able to buy I don't know all of them um, so. <laughs> Uh, that would be more scary to me than this well-established company that's having issues getting sort of picked off. Like this is sort of uh, the process working as intended, right? Like a, a company kind of goes down and the only way for for Bobby to kind of get out of there is, you know, he gets kind of, you know, golden parachuted, we call it. But really it's it's a fail state when you're when you're that high up, right? It's it's you kind of getting uh, your company's getting taken out. Um, so uh, I was sort of just relieved that, that like it seems like, a, you know, this is the outcome, right? They lost and now they're going to have to uh, kind of become part of this other organization. And I think that's better for the people there. And it's certainly a good outcome considering uh, their leadership situation. So Hogan and I actually had kind of the same reaction. We were like, yeah, Microsoft's buying low, right? Like that's what you do. <laughs> you buy, you buy when, when it's on sale and, and they're on sale right now. So, yeah. and it also makes more sense now that they approached Microsoft like that to me is like, well, yeah, it's an, it's like a no brainer. So I, I do have to point out that there's, there's wildly different reporting on that in terms of the it's wall true. street journal and games beat have completely divergent reporting. Well, the Wall Street Journal reported the opposite. Uh, opposite of what? I don't know what aspect. That Microsoft approached Activision. Oh, that, oh. That Phil calls him up essentially uh, two days after the Wall Street Journal article, which plunged their stock price to the $60, $50 level. Phil mm -hmm. calls up and, and the Wall Street Journal reports it from anonymous sources, just like Gamesbeat does, and says basically, uh, Phil calls up and says, so uh, 
how you doing? Uh, and, uh, and then they go from there. And then they do say the Wall Street Journal is in agreement with the with the, the Jeff Grubb reporting saying that um, uh, Bobby Kotick was instrumental in, in deciding for it to go through, which we knew from everything that had happened in the six months prior that he clearly had a very strong control of that board of directors. So yes. anything that happened was going with through Bobby either way. And then the Wall Street Journal reported that as being sold by Phil as a, a clean landing. Uh, a soft landing for what otherwise is, was going to be another year of, you know, tortured articles about how he's doing and what he's doing at meetings and everything else. Um, so that that's how it was portrayed there. I don't think it matters much to like the regulatory environment, how we evaluate things. But I, I do want to note that just because there's been a couple of those kinds of things, right? Microsoft's press statement specifically calls out that Bobby Kotick is staying in charge of Activision Blizzard. And unwinding why they say that in that statement is part of the fun here because it's not a good look for Microsoft. They know that's the that's the number one enemy. He's the one that's going to get in trouble. That paragraph is going to get reported on. And then it's leaked out, I don't even know, six hours later that mm -hmm. they expect Bobby Kotick to leave immediately after the transaction. So you got this, okay, if that's the case, then that paragraph shouldn't exist. But then that you, you back up another step and say, okay, that's Bobby and Activision making sure that's in this press statement. Uh, and you get all this kind of interesting fighting. We talk about messaging and public relations and virtual legality a lot, but one of the more interesting versions of that is in a merger or an acquisition because you essentially have to agree on what your paperwork looks like. And so you can get these kinds of, it almost looks like a Google Doc. You've got two sets of comments fighting about what's actually happening. And I really do think that's what is occurring when you see Bobby Kotick's going to stay around after the deal closes, Activision's going to report to Phil. And then you think about that and you're like, what in the world is the role of a high level ego driven CEO with your entire subsidiary company reporting to the other CEO uh, of gaming? And the answer to that is none. There is right, no role exactly. there, uh, but right. it is that kind of soft landing kind of concept. And, and you can parse out whole hosts of things from those statements and what we've seen in the last week as, you know, obviously not to toot my own horn, I've been doing every day because there is such uh, interest in this particular deal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah great points. And I think that, that's a perfect time to segue real quick. Uh, we've got a lot of people watching great, hopefully a bunch of new faces today. So uh, just want to give a shout out to that. Thank you very much. If you're yeah. If you're enjoying the show, please give us a like. Uh, and it should go without saying, if you're new to our show here, that we don't do the fanboy nonsense. So you can just uh, go find another show, to be honest with you. Yeah. So uh, I see a couple people in the chats that, that are kind of popping off. <laughs> we don't do that here. Uh, there's plenty of other shows for you. So uh, yeah, <laughs> we're just having a we're having a conversation, a real conversation. So um, let me get this other super chat real quick, Dan, for Mr. Cerebral Paul in the house. Yeah, the five dollar super chat. I just spoke to Phil. Xbox wants a partial refund on Dan acquisition. I mean, I don't know how you can do partial of peanuts, something, but <laughs> about buggy logic software. He's going to take all my, he's going to do what my kids do and take all the cashews out of my mixed nuts. That's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, that's great, Paul. Thank you very much for the super chat. Appreciate it, brother. Good to see you. Mm -hmm. All right. So, um, Rich, I think that's probably a good segue. I didn't want to spend a ton of time on it because I'd rather obviously reference, um, viewers to your video where you break it down much more extensively. I, I watched your video yesterday, um, specifically the one about the, uh, that kind of went into the detail about the difference between say a, a vertical and horizontal merger sure. and the differences there and the legalities and even the things that have changed, uh, you said as recently as this week. Yes. Um, yeah. Some of the documentation. Um, yeah. So I, I think if you can, 
at a very high level. <laughs> and like I said, I would recommend everyone go watch Rich's full video when you have the time. Um, but could you just kind of comment on um, the obvious question of antitrust, this deal going through what this looks like over the next several months um, and the difference between a horizontal and a vertical uh, merger as far as a platform and, and owning company is concerned. Sure. That's a broad topic, I realize. I, I like the trust that you've placed in me to not run this answer to 40 minutes. So <laughs> yeah, no, I'm going yeah. to do, do my that best. About 90 seconds, it'd be yes. great. Sure. <laughs> so I mean, like broadly, a lot of people are interested in saying $70 billion, Microsoft buying one of the biggest publishers on earth, making one of the biggest games on earth. Is the government going to be interested in this? And the short answer is yes. At that top line number, it's very likely to get what we call in the United States a second look or a second view. And the way this works is whenever you've got a deal like this, you sign those documents up. And what's really important for folks to understand is that the deal isn't done. The Activision isn't owned by Microsoft today. No matter what headlines you see that say they own them now, they've signed a definitive agreement to exchange this money and this equity and this company after certain conditions are met. And so that's why you heard at the top of this video, that's going to happen. Hopefully, says Microsoft by the middle of next year. And one of those conditions is getting approved by the regulator. So you get this definitive document, you send this in. And this is all going to be US focused for right now. This also happens in other jurisdictions people should be aware of, including the European Union that often takes an interest in how Microsoft operates. But here in the US, they send that into the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission and the Department of Justice. And one or the other is going to look at it. And I believe somebody leaked or was announced the FTC is likely to be the, the body to look at this. And they get about 30 days, and this can be a little bit flexible, to evaluate whether or not they think there's a potential problem. And you see yeah. this kind of summarized on Twitter or elsewhere as, is there a monopoly? Is, and is, that, a, is that when the deal goes through? Or is no, that it's right now. It's announced? Okay. Yeah, it's right it. now. If you actually go look at the merger agreement, which I don't recommend, it's 98 pages long or whatever. But if you go look at the agreement, you'll see a section that's called covenants and conditions for going into the future to get this thing to closing. One of those is that the two parties will submit all the information and documentation necessary to get this evaluated under what we call Hart Scott Rodino review. And the FTC and the DOJ get those documents. They look at them and then they decide not just if there's a monopoly, but if this deal is likely to substantially lessen competition. It's your magic phrase for the day. And as you might imagine, nobody knows. Right, Not even the FTC or the DOJ can promise you what this deal will do in 10 years. And so part of all of this, when we talk about antitrust, is understanding that antitrust law is specifically, and specifically for these kinds of things, forward-looking mergers, uh, an exercise in analytics, data, and prognostication. So when we start saying, oh, this is going to go through or this isn't going to go through, we can evaluate it based on historical precedent. A lot of people like to bring up the fact that nobody stopped Disney from buying Fox, although a more nuanced take on that would note that Disney had to divest certain aspects of its Fox acquisition from what it originally announced and that there can be little settlements in there. And that could happen with this deal as well. But even putting that aside, it's important to note that when we talk about Disney and Fox, that's a legacy media content concept. That's TV and movies and things that the FTC and the DOJ have been working with for 100 years and understand a little bit more than technology. Here we've got a tech giant, a $2 trillion, one of the biggest companies on earth, tech giant, buying up gaming content. And in the last week, what we've had is the FTC and the DOJ effectively saying, we're not satisfied with our horizontal or vertical merger guidelines. We don't think they're tough enough. 
And in particular, we don't think they're tough enough in, in very specific aspects, including data markets and modern technologies. Uh, and you asked me about the difference between horizontal and vertical. Because that's coming up in various journalistic outlets, I'll try to give the short form version of this. Horizontal means you bought a competitor. Horizontal means you're consolidating your market and that competitor that used to fight against you for consumer eyeballs or on pricing or on services or whatever that might be is gone. And in general, as you might imagine, for a horizontal merger, the FTC, the DOJ, the U.S. government in general is more worried about that than any other purchase that you could make, that you're consolidating your market and that now a competitor doesn't exist. That tends to look at the government's perspective as, hey, that might substantially lessen competition. So they gets a tighter review. A sure. vertical merger is almost anything else, but specifically it's buying up versions of the supply chain that allow you to control bigger aspects of it. Here, you would frame it as Microsoft is a platform provider or a console provider buying up content delivery services, and that's the verticality of it. You see this in some places, like I apologize, Travis, IGN, and their experts saying it's unlikely to have a problem because this is a vertical merger. And if you've got a vertical merger, it's less likely to be a problem for the antitrust authorities in the United States. But you can probably already tell where this is going. Microsoft also makes a lot of games. It makes a lot of content and does this kind of thing. They are undoubtedly a competitor in a direct market to the Activisions of the world. When they're figuring out when to release Halo, they're taking into account when Call of Duty comes out. They're doing that kind of thing. So the best way to think about it is probably that it's both. It's both a vertical and horizontal merger. And when that happens, you can evaluate it on the harsher horizontal guidelines, which means you're now in the zone of, hey, could possibly have something come down on it, which is basically where I come out. A lot of people like to ascribe various viewpoints to me in virtual legality or on Twitter or elsewhere. I think this deal is likely to go through relatively unscathed. There could be concessions of settlements of some kind. I doubt there'll be a divestiture because that doesn't really make sense for what's happening here and what concerns there might be. But anybody that's telling you that there's a 0% chance of this, that there's absolutely no way that anything could happen on this deal, isn't giving you the whole story. There is 100% a possibility of especially a politically minded FTC coming in and saying, we want to make hay here because, hey, the top line party on anything we would do here is Microsoft. And there's still a lot of, let's call it not ill will, but mixed will at the government level from a 30-year saga with Microsoft and antitrust regulatory authorities, but also that people might not like them. The Biden administration issued an executive order last summer that talked specifically about strengthening antitrust against internet service providers, data technology, and that kind of thing because of all the political kind of tumult you see with Facebook and Twitch and Twitter and everything else that Microsoft could easily kind of get dragged into just by virtue of who they are. So when we talk about this, I think the most important thing to understand is the antitrust law is very ambiguous, very amorphous, very much capable of being molded into whatever a regulator might want them to be and see that they're evaluating things on a future hypothetical, that that's actually what they're charged with doing. And then in this environment and politics, you could have a situation where they're going to take a close look and maybe demand some things out of this deal. Do I think it survives? I do. But I, I wouldn't be shocked if something were to happen to it on its way to the wedding ceremony. Yeah. And in What's IGN's defense, at least we consulted a legal expert. An entire weekend tour. That wasn't 90 seconds, right? I know. I, you know, but but it wasn't 40 minutes. <laughs> so I'm giving myself so, credit. That, yeah. that was a fantastic breakdown as yeah. Dan. That was uh, yeah, a few it. minutes, really. Yeah.
can offer a, a lot of education for people that have yeah. speculated on this all week. And that's why I wanted to have you on because you have a, a good way of breaking things down as you just did um, that have a lot of nuances. You already alluded to a lot of complexity, but breaking them down to kind of the core details. So thank you for that. Oh yeah. Well, I, I'm interested in it, right? Like that was yesterday's video was really about this environment because there is so much politics here and that it's, it's not Republican Democrat. And, you know, don't, don't put it there. It, it's just optics in Washington and where somebody mm -hmm. might make a career move, where somebody might not and seeing exactly what the, the atmosphere is. And when you talk about what Microsoft's lawyers were doing, they were talking to their client about this kind of thing. Microsoft is fully aware of the regulatory environment. Frankly, Microsoft probably has somebody that they can call to say, hey, how we how we thinking sure. this might look to your office? Uh, and nothing, nothing untoward about that. No formal lobbying or anything like that. But you always can have back office calls for of a $70 billion deal. Uh, so Microsoft feels confident this will go through. They wouldn't announce it in the way that they did if they didn't. But that doesn't mean they're right. Sure, <laughs> sure. Um, let me get to the super chat real quick. From our friend, Mr. Badbit. Yeah, here's a legal question. Uh, PlayStation did win. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Yep, I, I'm an optimist. I'm the optimistic lawyer. I, I think that uh, the optimist in me says is motivating for Sony. Uh, and they've got, oh. a, they've got some tricks to pull, but they've got to do, do it in an unusual way. You cannot fight $2 trillion and however much cash they have on hand. So Sony will continue to have to differentiate. Uh, and I think hey, that could spell some great things for gamers. For sure. Yeah. For sure. All right. So now that we've kind of done the uh, the legal aspect of it, at least at a very, very, very high level. So thank you, Rich. Um, <laughs> let's talk about uh, the, the different aspects of the results here of this deal, right? And that's really where the kind of the core conversation is. So just a few things to be aware of. Um, so after this, Xbox is somewhere around 32, uh, assuming this goes through as planned, 32 internal development studios. And to put into context, that's, I pulled up a very the, low count, I think, for Activision. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that that that's uh nine. Blizzard right? counts as one in that well, count, well, I believe. I mean, you can break these studios down multiple ways. I think I think some uh, and you'll see here in a second, I think some people have said 13 studios, but it really depends on how you break it out. But for for perspective, which is really crazy, and I know we all know this, but it's just crazy to actually envision is this was Xbox's first party four years ago. Four years ago, they had five first-party studios, technically six with Xbox Game Studios publishing. Assuming this deal goes through, as we've talked about, this would be their first party. Um, you know, four and a half years later. So it's just staggering, staggering to think what Xbox and Microsoft uh, have done in the past few years and what will be the long-term results of that. Um, in one of the... A couple of the other things I wanted to show really quick to our audience who's watching this live, and I apologize. Yeah, do you have a highlight that is like circa 2017? Because I think it's like only half of that top line, give or take. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, this one? <laughs> yeah. yeah, there you yeah. go. Nice. Yeah. It's it's it's. <laughs> yeah. Um. So you know, we always Please. joke about, or not joke about, but we always talk about how big gaming is nowadays. In Microsoft's official uh, press release that they sent out, they sent this. Um, sheet. So again, if you're listening to this, I apologize. But basically, what we're showing is at a uh, from 2010 to 2020, the escalation in market size of gaming versus all of your other kind of media, right? Music, books, home videos, cinema, 
uh, paid TV, et cetera, and just the escalation there as it approaches a you know a three hundred billion dollar global market. It's uh, funny because that twenty twenty line is cheating a little bit, right? You like you could see yeah. cinema and video games are like the opposites of the pandemic. Exactly. Where, it's 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 interesting. Exactly right. <laughs> um, <clears throat> So, and then uh, I think it was Clobriel, you know, pretty popular uh, Xbox guy, kind of put this together from an image standpoint, just to give you a, a, a taste of IP ownership now uh, after this deal, which is, it's staggering to even look at, right? It just doesn't even hardly make any sense. Of, uh, first party I'm sorry, is that a mobile crash bandicoot as the king? Logo? It is, it Come is. Come on, Cabriel. I know, I know. He's slacked on that one. <laughs> In fact, Crash is there twice. So, you know, we'll give him some feedback. But um, but it's just, it really is staggering to think about. So um, this would be, like I said, around 32 studios. Um, as far as I'm aware, and someone feel free to correct me, but with Blizzard, that took Xbox to over 8,000 core developers. Um, and obviously they're still hiring. I believe they have 500 plus open positions. But with this, this would put them over 12,000 developers, which is just astronomical from a development standpoint in first party. Um, as we already commented, Phil Spencer promoted the CEO of gaming, whole different title there. And then you think about um, uh, the combined global revenue, excuse me, annual revenue. Uh, this would put them third. And I know that was reported on and people were kind of like, well, how, you know, how does that calculate? Um, Tencent, which you may not, I mean, we all know who Tencent is. It's a comp, uh, constant um, part of the conversation here. Tencent's annual revenue uh, in 2021 expected to be over 80 billion. Is that just gaming? Uh, no, I think that's company-wide. Okay. Uh, I think anyone can correct me over 80 it billion. It strikes me as company-wide number, but I, I can't, I'm not looking at it. Yeah, it's got to it's got to be. I I have to assume. PlayStation is uh should be just over 25 billion. They're, you know, hitting records. We always talk about Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo hitting records repeatedly here. Over 25 billion and with this acquisition Xbox would be just behind that somewhere around 23-24 billion. So it puts them third on an annual gaming revenue um uh basis. And then you just think about kind of the historic ip strength they would have and really when you start to talk about your purchasing activision obviously all the factors that go into it from monthly global user reach like we said the studios the talent all of that but really ip strength is a big play is here well uh, as well which is obviously call of duty's the one that everyone talks about but you've got you know diablo i think people some people may underestimate just how big diablo is uh diablo 3 a year after release in 2015 had already sold more than 30 million copies, Diablo 3. So Diablo 4, and obviously they're, uh, the mobile version of the game coming, that's huge. You've got Call of Duty, you've got Warcraft, you've got Overwatch, which Overwatch has dipped recently, I realize, but people forget how big Overwatch was. It had its own pro league. I mean, you're talking tens and tens of millions of users. So I won't go on here, but my, my point just being is that um, IP strength is a big part of this deal as well. So when, when you gave that Diablo stat, 2015 seems later than, did, didn't Diablo 3 come out earlier than that? 2013. What, okay. I, what I said, it came out in 2013. By 2015, it had sold more I than see. 30 million copies. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that makes sense. Yeah. I, I, because I think your commentary on Blizzard being, uh, you know, slightly broken is correct insofar as they've got this really strong stable of stuff that hasn't been leveraged very much. And Diablo 3 is great. They've released it a hundred times, uh, right. but it, it has been out now. We're getting pretty close to a decade. Yes. Yeah. Which funny enough, was the same way between Diablo 2 and Diablo 3. So I think wow. for me, I'm going faster. <laughs> I, one of the first things I wanted to ask you guys about as we kind of dive into all these different aspects is 
when you look at the IPs, whether it be Call of Duty, we keep saying it's the biggest one. And, you know, it's an annual release today. They have Warzone sitting out there as a separate thing. Call of Duty Mobile. People don't realize how big Call of Duty Mobile is globally. Over $400 million in revenue every year from mobile alone. Um, <clears throat> I wouldn't say no to it. <laughs> but you've got, uh, you know, you've got Diablo, you've got Overwatch, you've got Warcraft, uh, World of Warcraft has taken a hit recently, Final Fantasy XIV is going up, Warcraft down. What do you guys think about the broader picture here as we think about first party development with Microsoft and how they've supported their stu their newer studios to date, like the ones they purchased in 2018, about, you know, hopefully kind of restructuring internally to aid development um, and, you know, whether it be speed up development, A development, broaden development, et cetera. What do you see as the opportunities there for Activision Blizzard should this all go through as planned? I, I mean, I, I could talk on that. I, I, I'm, I'm happy to go in whatever order you prefer. Yeah, go for it, I, man. I, Whoever I, wants I think, to go for it. I, I think one of the interesting things that happened early, I believe it was last year, pandemic time is weird, uh, <laughs> was that Activision started pulling its eggs into the Call of Duty basket. Yes. Uh, right. That there was a certain amount of Activision that I liked more than Call of Duty. And I have no problem with Call of Duty. I just feel like I've played that game uh, at this point in time. And I, I really enjoyed their reboot of uh, Crash Bandicoot. I thought Crash Bandicoot 4 was one of the best platformers in years. Um, I, I enjoyed their remasters of those trilogies. And you saw that those teams were getting pulled into Call of Duty. High Moon Studios hasn't been able to make anything since, uh, outside of that uh, infrastructure since they lost Destiny. Um, and so you've got Activision Blizzard really focusing very closely on one specific product line, which the hope would be Microsoft wouldn't need to do to the same extent as Activision Blizzard was seeking to do in order to keep its revenue generation up. Yeah. So in a perfect world, as somebody that's essentially selfish for things <laughs> that maybe don't maximize ROI for the purchase of Activision, I would love to see Crash Bandicoot. I would love to see Spyro. I would love to see these other things outside of Call of Duty. I'd love to see somebody new give a crack for some new Guitar Hero um, and, and try yeah. a bunch of different things that we saw from Activision earlier on. And, you know, Phil Spencer's making the right noises towards that. But I think yep. just like I said, I'm optimistic about the Call of Duty announcement. Everything everybody says from the Microsoft side right now should be taken on the advisement of they want to look like the sweetest, white knightiest owner that has ever existed. Um, and so everything with a grain of salt, because that's their motivation. But I do think there's very real value in that IP that wasn't being maximized by Activision Blizzard. Great. Whether or not that's because of good management or bad, you know, I can leave that to the viewers and the listeners. Uh, but that I do hope that it broadens out in scope and they own a lot of stuff, including, as we talked about, King's Quest. Yes. Yeah, I'm looking through. So right now, to your point, right? A lot of a lot of um, hubbub this week around the IPs that Xbox would now own, which include, as you just said, Crash Bandicoot, Diablo, uh, Guitar Hero and DJ Hero. Um, Hexing got brought up, a classic PC shooter that has this, you know, cult following. Give it back King to id. <laughs> King's Quest. 
uh overwatch goes without saying police quest you know in there as well prototype singularity skylanders was huge at one point in time there we go uh, singularity remaster there it is that's yeah. where the money lives we'll just have to convince phil that that'll be a a gangbusters triple a blockbuster <laughs> tony hawk's pro skater which you know the re the remake that came out um or was it early last year as you said time is i i think it was early last year <laughs> right now but uh, amazing remake they have legacy tenshu games starcraft tenshu uh true crime you remember those games um sure. and uh you want to really really go back and i i got about two viewers who will know this but zork is what are you um, talking about you're standing in front of a white house let's go <laughs> right so uh yeah i mean the opportunity for revival of classic ips i think is one of the most exciting things of this deal um and moving some of that talent off of just call of duty or the other aspect here i think is as we've seen with the other studios that have been acquired by Microsoft, they've been supported extremely well and they continue to staff up, get the resources they need. What I'd like to see is it's not necessarily pull resources from Call of Duty, but provide resources to work on these other IPs. Um, I think, in, again, ideal world. So, Travis, you're chomping at the bit. Let me hear what you have to say, brother. Yeah. Champing at the bit. Horses champ. Um, <laughs> anyway. Uh... <laughs> I like the level of granularity here. <laughs> Thank you. He's very good at granularity. I give him. Great I am good unfortunately. Good. I'm uh, one of those nitpicky. Yeah, everybody hates me. Okay. Anyway, um, um, I actually. So one of the things that I didn't do when I found out that Activision was being acquired by Xbox was was think, oh boy, I can't wait to play those X those uh, Activision games. I don't really like any Activision Blizzard games, to be <laughs> quite honest with you. I'm, I I Call of Duty has not really ever done much for me. I like King's Quest. I like both the old ones and I like the the new one that came out a couple of years ago. That the odd gentleman knocked it out of the park in 2015. Yeah, I, can I, I thought any did... pitch. Go play yeah. the King's Quest game that Activision released in 2015. It's really well done. It's got Christopher Lloyd. It's really good. Yeah, it's yeah, it's quite good. So I, I like that. But but the things that the Activision Blizzard is about, like Overwatch, I think is super overrated. World of Warcraft, I I can't. I just I've, I've tried so many times. I can't really bring myself to do that one. Diablo makes me fall asleep every single time I play it. Like literally, I just fall asleep. I don't know what it is. It's something about the rhythm of like of like it just kind of it repeats and then you do it and then all of a sudden I'm just like. Stop. And I, I, I try to get through it, but I actually fall asleep. And I don't say that as a bad thing. It's I like I realize it's a good, it's a good game. thing it's just, you fall asleep while playing video games. The, yeah. the rhythm of it makes me fall asleep. I don't know what to tell you. It just kind of slowly puts me to bed. So uh, and I've, wow. I've played all those games. So for, for me, uh, I'm mostly excited about hopefully the studios getting to do their own thing and, and maybe not being forced to just pump out call of duties. I don't want it to be a call of duty factory. So I'm, I'm happy if they get to do that. And I, I, I hope that they will. Phil Spencer seems like he's down for the cause, but who, who knows what happens behind closed doors. Right. Um, and, um, and I, you know, the, the other thing is I'm, I'm really excited at the possibility of the technology that Xbox acquired, because one thing they've always struggled with is having a PC store and now they have BattleNet. I think that could be huge because Battle.net is a pretty great tool. Destiny ran a lot better on Battle.net than it has ever run on Steam uh, as, a, as a guy who played uh, Destiny on PC back in the day. Uh, and, and I just, I think that that is good. I think the, um, the support, hopefully that the employees will get and the, the uh, you know, the, the cultural change I think is probably good. But in terms of games, I, I, I don't know, man, I, I'm glad they'll be on Game Pass. You know, I won't have to pay for them anymore. I won't have to buy Call of Duty every year just to <clears throat> play the campaign and go, no, oh, that was okay. 
uh, which I'm happy about. But uh, there's no there's no games I love at Activision Blizzard. So, okay. um, you know, as soon as you started talking about Diablo, you got uh, lit up in the chat. Uh, oh, I'm sure. Dude, people <laughs> love it. And I, I have friends that love Diablo and they're always like, Travis, play with me. And then all of a sudden they'll see my character stop moving and they're like, what happened to Travis? He fell asleep. And that this is real. I've fallen asleep on Xbox Live many times while playing Diablo. And I'm just like, I don't know what it is about this game. It just, the patterns, the repetition. It's just like after time, I just kind of, I just I get that. in the groove and then yeah. they stop hearing me talk and chat and it's because I've fallen asleep. So. I have like a joke, I think in Diablo three at this point, I probably have about seven, 800 hours. Something. Oh like yeah, that. dude. Ooh. I've got friends that do the seasons and they can clear one of those uh, procedurally generated levels in like two minutes. And I'm yeah. like, damn dude, that's crazy. But <laughs> also he also, he's like, it's mindless. I do it while I'm watching TV. And I'm like, that makes sense. Like, it's just something to sort of like grind. And when I, when I'm playing Diablo and I'm just paying attention to Diablo, <sighs> Like, it's not like the story is keeping me involved and the gameplay definitely I mean, isn't. So. I mean, I've been known to fall asleep playing Destiny 2. So, I mean, it is what it is, right, Travis? True, dude. But I've also fallen asleep <laughs> playing Destiny 2. So maybe I just, maybe I just have a maybe sleep problem. Sleep I, problem. Yeah. I, okay. I have roused with my guardian running up against a wall before I have. So <laughs> For sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, let's get to some of these Super Chats, Dan. Oh, man. Yeah. I just want to say real quick. Uh, I'm glad <laughs> today is a... Is, uh, Travis has taken my spot as the hot take oh, yeah. master. Oh, yeah. I really yeah. appreciate it, Travis. That's just a personal thing. I'm not saying it's a bad game like you. You would say, no, I, I mean, hate Diablo and it's a bad game. I'm I, just I, it makes me fall asleep. I joke with my viewers that even though Activision's 10 times bigger, I think the Zenimax one hit me closer to where I live. Me too. In terms oh, yeah. of sure. Fallout and Elder Scrolls, and these things aren't going to be on multi platform. That's a big deal. For sure. Yeah, yeah I think yep. this was opportunistic. I don't think they needed Activision in their portfolio at all, but that's just me. I don't know. Sure. Yeah. All right. Game positive with the 699 Canadian. Is that what that is? Love seeing Hoaglog's perspective on BitCast. Can't wait for the repair slash revival of some of my favorite IPs in gaming. Next BlizzCon is going to be fire. Yeah, for thank sure. you, Eric. I forgot yeah. about BlizzCon, man. Yeah. yeah, well, funny enough, Please. someone said all your cons belong to Microsoft because now they have MineCon, BlizzCon, QuakeCon. They're all owned by Xbox now. And theory. cons. Let's go through. Cons. Uh, we got a few others. Yeah. Are there any pros? Yeah. Yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah they'll be at the cons. Word Spartan Go 17 with a five-pound super chat. Will PlayStation sell in 10 to 15 years to compete in game services? I feel like the game just went from street football to the major leagues overnight. <laughs> Will they That's, sell what? Maybe yeah, sell I, them themselves, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, um, goes, you don't put another Super Chat in, but thank you for the Super Chat, by the way. Um, yeah. Please uh, put a com. Oh, he just sent a new, another Super Chat about something else. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I'm not sure what you mean by sell here. I don't know if, if you mean um, kind of go the Sega route and just turn PlayStation into services and game development, or you're referring to something else. I'm not or sure. Maybe, yeah, maybe, I mean, they, maybe like Amazon buys up Sony... You know, something to that effect where they sell their that their gaming their gaming division. Well, yeah, the division, yeah. is effectively diametrically opposed, right? You, you don't sell to compete. So you can get right. out 100% or you can do something else to try to compete. Uh, but certainly I, I think the future of Sony and PlayStation is, is, is looking different than it did on Monday. Uh, and you can believe that there have been a lot of meetings about what future strategy looks like at Sony headquarters on this yeah. stuff. Agree. And I, I think I said on Cast Co-op on the other show we do with uh, I do with Luke and Joe, um, I said similar is that, you know, depending on obviously what comes out of this deal, all the all the caveats that we've already mentioned, assuming it goes through sure. where Phil's kind of words end up 
in reality and what happens with these games and IPs. Um, no doubt that PlayStation strength is brand and IP. That's where their strengths lie. Um, as you already said, Rich, you're talking punch to punch. They're, they just can't compete. In Not money-wise. No, you don't want to have that fight. No, and nobody <laughs> wants that fight, really. But, yeah, so I don't know. I think, to your point, um, it's a different conversation now than it was a week ago. But um, let's not forget how strong PlayStation really is globally. I think that is being overlooked by some. As PlayStation is still extremely strong globally. They have very high revenue, the highest they've ever seen. They have fantastic IP strength, brand awareness, brand loyalty. Um, there's a lot that goes into that conversation other than just this. But make no mistake, there's there's conversations going on behind the scenes in their executive leadership of where to go um, and, and yeah. what the strategy is, no doubt. Well, they make so much money off of their third-party sales and, and participating as a fully functional console box under your TV. Yeah. Uh, and right now, if you're Sony, you're looking at where your weaknesses and your strengths lie. And I, if I'm sitting there, I'm saying, well, we're one Ubisoft purchase away from losing the bulk of our top third-party sales AAA games. Um, and so what do we do about that? And that, that can be investing in other developers that can be buying up. You know, a lot of people point to Square Enix, obviously the Japanese connection and, and the size is more within Sony's wheelhouse. Um, but yeah, and the, the ones that jump out to me, you look at Square Enix, you look at Ubisoft. Yeah. Ubisoft, I, I know, is a little bit beleaguered from various points in, of view on social media and the Ubi game and that Watch Dogs and Assassin's Creed and all these things are the same. But they are very popular. Uh, and and their their AAA output it makes a lot of money. And if you look yep. at any of the charts, that's the next one. It's Activision and Ubisoft and, and Electronic Arts you know, on the sports side, uh, especially not not so much on the non-sports side. But that's what you're evaluating at Sony headquarters. What does it look like? What cash do we have? Do we want to leverage it? Are we happy with where we are? Um, and I was certainly seeing some comments that suggest well that. They've still got the most popular box. They still have Horizon. They still have all these things that are coming out. And that's true. But there is, without a doubt, no desire at Sony or PlayStation right this second to rest on those laurels and watch the 3,000-pound gorilla buy up every other avenue that they have. So there is strategizing right now. And if you're a pessimist, you look at it and say they can't compete. And anything that Microsoft does, they can block. Um or if you're an optimist like me, you say, okay, we're going to have to differentiate. How does Nintendo survive, right? It ain't on tech. It ain't on third-party right. support. Nintendo survives on first-in-class internal software development. And let's be honest, weird stuff, yes. right? The Switch, okay, that's bizarre, and everybody loves it. Um, you know, mm -hmm. some of them work out. Some of them are cardboard VR headsets. You just don't <laughs> know what, when you're at Nintendo. Yeah. But yep. that's how I think Sony at a higher level with more money and more tech prowess is going to be pursuing their future is we're going to get weird folks. Cause we're not going to win a money cannon fight. Yep. Right. I, it's funny. I you agree. And I, I, the same thing on yeah. cast. Too. That's right. Yeah. We, we were, I, I think we had, we talked about this a while back uh, Ains, about how right now there's kind of three different models. There's the experimental Nintendo model. There's the uh, premium walled garden PlayStation model. And then there's yep. sort of like this open, very techie, uh, subscription service based uh, Microsoft thing. And I think all three of those models can survive and be successful in, in their own right. And I don't think PlayStation really has a lot of pressure to acquire other things. They're already making money. They make more revenue than Xbox uh, games right now, including Activision. If you, if you folded Activision in there, they're still not as big by revenue. So um, I don't, I don't think Microsoft now being third place really changes <laughs> uh, PlayStation's uh 
equation too much in their head, except for the fact that it does cut into third party sales, obviously. But um, I mean, their strength has always been their first party anyway. I don't I don't know that a lot of people are buying uh, play, running to the store to buy a PlayStation 5 to play the next Call of Duty game. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I just feel like they're there for God of War. They're there for uh, The Last of Us and the experiences that they could only get on PlayStation. So I think the question there is, was Call of Duty and Bethesda output necessary but not sufficient to purchase your PlayStation ecosystem, right? That you knew that stuff was coming, and so right. it made sense to go and get that first party there. If that's absent, is is the pillar strong enough from there exactly. on? And, exactly. and I don't think anybody knows. I totally agree that these models can work together. And in fact, even when this generation was starting, I said, as Microsoft moves away from caring whether or not you buy their plastic box, you can see an alliance that could potentially form between the wall garden and the software as a service provider. It gets weird. You'd have to really figure out what that For license sure. looks like. And yeah. Phil's been pushing on it, but it's not killing Sony's business model to have a game pass that's successful. And it's not really killing the game pass model to have a successful PlayStation box. So it's, it's a weird world we're entering into, but certainly as a yeah. guy that likes corporate acquisitions and transactions in this industry, it's fascinating and endlessly so. I think he nailed it there. And, and we don't know because a lot of the result of this conversation, the revenue numbers, especially from third party, depends on the outcome of where this what this looks like two years from now, three years from now. The um, only other thing I wanted to add on that revenue point, which I think is a yeah. good one that Microsoft isn't that big, is that they we have to remember that they are putting every egg in that recurring revenue service model basket. And that is yeah. a basket that can change in scope and size instantaneously. Much right, faster. Microsoft right now is in the user acquisition phase. They're essentially bathing in losses to bring that number up where they say 25 million subscribers. And that didn't get any better when they spent $70 billion to bring content to that service. At some point in time, $10 becomes 20. And Microsoft is evaluating that constantly and figuring out when that would be. But when you think about it that way, when that is all of their revenue on this particular plank of their, of their platform, then 22 billion can become 44 billion overnight when sure. they hit yeah. that button. So it's it's an interesting point in time that we're in where Microsoft can say that. They can especially say they're third place to regulators, which is important. And they still control, well, you're not buying things. You're you're renting them and a very good service. I love Game Pass. I won't get rid of it. Like I said, I've been playing Extraction and nobody saves the world this weekend for no additional cost. And it's been yep. great. I love yeah. it. But I also understand that that value proposition doesn't make intuitive sense over the long term and that Microsoft is going to be evaluating that. And we see how streaming services evaluate this kind of stuff all the time. Yep. Even recently, this week, we had Netflix take an absolute bath in the stock market because they didn't hit their user generation number because they're trying to figure out how to balance their content and their cost services. And Microsoft's going to have to be dealing with that over the next 10 years. Going to be great to watch, especially if you're into financial and industry analysis. But yeah. this isn't like set in stone. It's not $10 forever, even now that you get Call of Duty. So it'll be worthwhile to watch. Yeah. So Rick, I think to your, your point, I think the advantage that Xbox Game Pass has is that you can buy their stuff. And in fact, right. apparently Game Pass drives sales. Uh, and, and I'm actually, so people always like go like, how is that possible? I'm actually one of the examples of somebody who any Game Pass game I like, I buy it like as soon as I decide that it's good, 
now, wallets on Game Pass because you get like a 20% off discount. And yeah, I make my money back that I spend on Game Pass just by the discount. So it's like I want to own the game outright because I don't want to be renting it or for it to disappear one day. And then me go, oh, I thought I had that game, but I guess it was just on Game Pass. So I'm like buying games that are on Game Pass all the time. And I think that gives them an advantage that Netflix doesn't is that they can they can still also sell games on top of those You're games. right. You're right. It's a Netflix voodoo combination effectively. Now, I have a question for you there because I have purchased Game Pass games that are non-first party that mm-hmm. are basically imminent to leaving. Have you purchased Microsoft made games that you know will never leave Game Pass? Nope. I have. Pretty okay. much all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Two, two yeah. different opinions. No, I, I was le- yeah. I'm legitimately interested in that question because the one thing that I haven't that's done is buy anything that I, I you know I, I like the Outer Worlds for instance. And I'm yeah, like, well, right. that's never that's never going anywhere. And so was, I'm going to keep Game Pass until I beat that, so I don't have any reason to buy it. When yeah, you've got something like I've enjoyed Extraction. If that's going to leave at some point, I'm probably going to be like, all right, thirty two dollars, whatever. I'll probably hit the button on that because I've enjoyed it. So I, I hear you on that, and I think it's a good point. But I. The first party, as it gets larger, I think decreases Some of those my, are gonna have to go, my push right? to buy. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I think is like I, that. Like, obviously, I assume that while Game Pass is getting started, a lot of those first party games are going to be on there forever. But now that their first party is so big, I'm kind of living under the assumption that they're going to rotate out of Game Pass as well. Even their first party stuff. Okay. That's really? not first party stuff. But yeah, because I, I just don't I don't <laughs> see a world where like like five years from now, Game Pass has like a thousand games in it. That just seem because the whole point of Game Pass is to curate the list. So I think they want to keep it curated and not have like this large bloat. Like I, for example, I don't see like, I don't see like three Call of Duties ago being in there. You know what I mean? They're going to want to focus you on like the newest Call of Duty. I I think that's curated. I agree. But Netflix talks about this a lot about curation. And obviously they have to keep their whole library there because it doesn't exist anywhere else. You know what I mean? Like if, if Netflix produces a show, they have to keep it on Netflix because if they take it off Netflix, it's gone. But Xbox could remove something from Game Pass and still give people a way to play it. So I, I, I don't think it'll always be that every first party game is there for. Well, I'll tell you this. We'll if, if that does prove to be the case, the moment that first first party game comes off is going to be an inflection point for subscription services, evaluating the product that that's going to be where people look at it and say, is this something that I need to keep if, if those first party games come off? So I think it, I, I don't disagree. I, I, I hear you when you say you got a thousand games, they weren't anticipating. I don't think buying Activision and that's a lot right. more games it wouldn't surprise me if technologically you could still have a curated kind of optical feel by having a call of duty button that takes you into a second menu that shows the 20 call of duties. Uh, but it's, yeah. it's an interesting point. I have, I have to be honest, I've been on the working assumption that everything Xbox owns and makes is not leaving game pass. So yeah, this is good. We'll, we'll save this point and come yeah. cast. Cast three hundred. We'll revisit this. <laughs> like, like, like. Yeah. It, it, I mean, this is years away. We're talking. I'm talking yes, like down. Uh, yeah, the absolutely. Road. User acquisition now in the in the near and midterm. Absolutely. I mean, what, what? What? I mean, I can see that happening if it's like a licensing deal with, you know, where they have issues with other games, where we're like, okay, we don't have the license to this music anymore, or we have to. That maybe I can see, and I when I said nope really fast. I take that back because at the beginning of Game Pass, I did buy. Uh, State of Decay 2 Definitive Edition. There you this go. Is right, this is in its infancy, you know, and 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 also I still haven't bought Sea of Thieves, which is crazy, but I've probably spent over $100 on that game. To your point, uh, what was it, Outer Worlds? I bought the DLC for it, never mm-hmm. bought the actual game, you know, so they've got all those different revenue streams that they can, you know, get you with. 
going that way. I mean, I'm curious. Horizon 5 offered the ultimate upgrade if you're a Game Pass. You pay 45 bucks to get I did that as well. That was a huge mistake. Yeah. That, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I did that. But well, That's the um, whole video in virtual reality about whether day one is day one and what false advertising is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's one of those things like, you know, people talk about, you know, the only way these games are going to come to PlayStation is maybe through the Game Pass subscription. But, I, you know, I, I don't know. Like I said, you know, if that's going to happen or whatever, but I also don't see, you know, if that's the case, can I buy the game on Game Pass on my PlayStation 5 through the Game Pass service? And if that's the case, why not just sell it outright on the PlayStation? You know, it's no, I think they will. I think if Game Pass can exist on the PS5, they will also sell those games on that platform. So that's the only way I can buy those games is to get the Game Pass subscription and then what i just buy it for a month for 15 no, i think dollars. travis is saying you can have game pass or buy the game just right like yeah that's would. what yeah. i think it's just, I think, it's I think. just contracts at that point you're just you're just yeah, negotiating right. price if sony okay. can get yeah. it's 30 or 25 or whatever this is what i'm talking about in terms of an alliance if xbox doesn't care about its plastic box weird things can happen with these contracts sure. there's no yeah yeah and that's what i'm saying i i think that they'll just say hey look we want game pass on playstation if you're willing to do that you can have access to all of our games that are on game pass and then we will also give your players the option to buy the game outright because xbox is i think they're they know that that model is going to make them money they just want access to more paying subscribers and also if people want to buy the game outright that helps them as well but all that money is going to the same place right well, it's especially just, a game like Call they're of not going to do it without Game Pass, right? Like you, you look at Bethesda. When I when I first saw this stuff, I was like, "Well, this is a huge, this is a whole different ball game." Bethesda's, you know, historically, you know, single player games, you know, that that are campaign focused, huge, you know, Elder Scrolls and Fallout, and you know, but they do have those, you know, Fallout seventy six is Elder Scrolls Online, you know, and those are like a continuing revenue stream that you're going to continue, to, you know, and with with Call of Duty, that's this is why it just kind of popped in my head. It was just like, okay, well, how much money can they make off of PlayStation users through the billions of dollars in microtransactions? You know, maybe not necessarily for just that platform, but, you know, through through PlayStation's uh, console. I mean, yeah. I, I, is it, you know, I don't know how much that is. You know, somebody said 300 million. That doesn't seem like a lot, but also probably right about, right on. I think it was 1.9 billion they made in in just for the call of duty last year i think i read somewhere today or this week um it's 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 definitely an interesting you know they can do whatever they want i mean that's really the bottom line and and if you're if you're fighting for one thing over another then i don't know what to tell you i mean just tell me how i need to get this content and that's how i'm going to get it you know that that, that's what it boils down to for me i I said earlier to um a side conversation i was having about this is you know as, as people like us sit here and try to think through this and uh, you know, if X is staying Call of Duty right. staying as it is today on PlayStation, and Y is some type of middle ground where Warzone stays, but annual releases don't, and Z is pulling Call of Duty off of PlayStation, right? They have teams and teams and teams of analysts who have run every single oh, yeah. figure imaginable of the revenue generation, player count. Every aspect of this has already been broken down ten times more and more accurately than we will ever do. Um, but, uh, it, it, it's, there's no way for us to predict exactly what's going to happen here. And I would probably argue that even at this point in time, Xbox doesn't know exactly what's going to happen in this That's right. evolving market and, sure. and things change. And, 
you know, they they may make a decision one day that that is different from what they made two years prior. That's business. I mean, we've talked about that before. We talked about that when Bethesda was first announced with Elder Scrolls. The big thing was, you know, the question right away, Elder Scrolls 6, will it be on PlayStation? And it's like, well, Elder Scrolls 6, is anybody making it? Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. But I mean, there, there's not so right many now, actually. Right. These decisions. Um, and, you know, you just have to give them time to play out. I don't think anyone think arguing right. about it at this point in time uh, really makes a lot of sense. But just on Call of Duty as we're on it, because I have some figures here, I think a lot of people were underestimating how big Call of Duty actually is. Um, uh, Call of Duty is uh, a phenomenon in the gaming industry. They have, for reference here, just a few p figures I pulled out, over 400 million copies sold as hard copies. Uh, over 300 million players annually, Call of Duty. That's across all of Call of Duty, right? Warzone, games, mobile, etc. Over 100 million monthly active users on Call of Duty. Um, and mobile alone, like I said, generates over $400 million of revenue a year, as of last year anyway. So, I mean, it's just, it, it is a massive, massive, massive IP and a big chunk of what generates Activision's revenue on a yearly basis alongside their mobile with King and everything that we haven't even touched on yet. So these decisions are long in the tooth, if you will. A lot of analyzing will go into them and I think will evolve over time as well. I don't think anything is going to be nailed down now or in the near term, in my opinion. The only thing I would add to that, because I think that's exactly right, and they do have teams of analysts, and that is that is what those folks do. Yes. Is on social media, especially on the internet in general, there's a tendency to say, well, because of that, because of the resources and money and smarts and intelligent people, they can throw at a problem. They always get things right. And I think anyone that looks at any company acting historically understands, including Microsoft, right? If we go back to the Xbox One and its early marketing pitch, they had that money. They had those analysts looking at those kinds of questions too. And so at, because I've been able to be in rooms where big corporations are thinking through issues and in my opinion, making absolutely foolish mistakes, I understand <laughs> that it's human beings all the way down, right? no matter how smart and how many resources you throw at things, it's still people making choices. And sure. so Microsoft might be right. They're more likely than not because they have all those resources to throw at it. But even then big companies make big mistakes. We saw it with Activision Blizzard and their immediate response to the California lawsuit. We could see it again. So Microsoft is going to make a choice here. I tend to think that Phil Spencer's statement means that call of duty will stay in, in a most fulsome form on PlayStation but it might not. And that might be for a good reason. That might be for a bad reason. They might be trying to leverage Game Pass. They might be trying to change console fees for other products they might want to release. There could be a thousand different reasons why that happens. But even in that negotiation that you think of, that Travis says they're going to try to leverage Game Pass on to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation, one or the other side could overestimate their leverage and their position and what happens and have talks break down in a fashion that they don't expect. And, and that's always the case no matter how many analysts are trying to figure out what the right roi is and what the price is and and we see it every day if we really think about it the big companies with a lot of resources do stupid things all the time if, if you if you for, sure. for anyone interested in this conversation about corporations doing things of this nature well not this nature activision and xbox but what rich is referring to take time and look up uh the history of volkswagen owning porsche um it is fascinating it is hilarious. Um, and you, if you enjoy these types of geeky conversations that we're having right now, 
um, which we're, we all do here, I know, um, look that up because it is absolutely hilarious what happened with Porsche making a severe misjudgment and um, paying the price. So it, it, it's always human beings all the way down. Yes. Yep. So Dan, Dan stepped aside, but let me get these super chats real quick, Travis, because some have been sitting out here for a little while now. This I'm one sure. is uh, is referencing the Diablo conversation we had earlier, but I feel that it's always relevant. It's canceled, Travis. I mean, <laughs> nice. yeah, we all agree with this. Uh, Chris, yeah. thank you. for. The if I had a subscription, it would not be going well right now. I like the I'm cancellation plus the super chat. I think that's that's a, a mixed <laughs> message. I it's like fun yeah. cancellation. So. Well, they know I don't get the money, so I see. This okay, is really okay. Just uh, yeah, <laughs> Chris, thank you so much. Hold on, I got a few others to get to. Like I said, I'm sorry they've been sitting down here. Spartan Ghost uh, 17, another two pound super chat. Thank you so much, brother. He said, "I agree with Travis. Diablo is very boring." I, I never said that. it was very boring. I never said that. Just to be clear, I did not say it's very boring. I actually think it's a good game. It just makes me fall asleep. I don't know what else to tell you guys about it. It just makes me fall asleep. It's a good game. Now, there's a legal question. Can you say something makes you fall asleep and not have it impliedly mean it's boring? Okay, so here's the thing. Here's the thing, uh, Rick. I submit to you that uh, uh, taking drugs are not boring, but it makes some people fall asleep as well. Okay. Right? It's, it's an exciting situation, but it just has a side effect, right? I like it's, it. I accept, I accept that counter argument. I like it. Uh, thank you, sir. I rest my case. Thank you, Spartan Ghost. Appreciate it. Cerebral fall back again. $2 super chat. I think it was more about the mobile reach than COD. And oh, I apologize. don't undersell King. King is Possibly. a freaking juggernaut. Yes. <laughs> so for those, yes. We'll, we'll get to that real quick. Uh, let me finish these up. Dash in the house. Good morning, man. Host of NXS Cast, uh, which I was on a week and a half ago or so. Uh, fantastic people. If you haven't checked them out, please do. Four ninety nine super chat. Mr. Hope. Can I hire you to sue Microsoft for causing me so much emotional distress from these acquisitions? I think it would be unethical for me to take on such a complaint knowing it's 0% chance of likelihood of victory. So I'm <laughs> going to have to demur on that request. But I understand that your pain is real. It's just not legally cognizable, as we might otherwise say. Yeah. That was a... What, what about my unpaid parking lot. tickets? <laughs> I'll get you a litigator. <laughs> All right. Appreciate you. Uh, just, oh, man. I'm sorry. There's... So many. I'm not used to keeping up with this many comments, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, and uh, by the way, um, I love the commentary that's going on, guys, in the conversation. So thank you so much. Um, all right. I'm sorry I had to step away for a second. Did, what did you guys think of, I mean, if this is pertinent, Phil's comments on why they bought Microsoft and, or I'm sorry, Activision Blizzard? Which are you uh, the the one The ones where he said, I you know, I... I I didn't trust Google slash Amazon. Oh, right. You know, I know Nintendo and Sony, you know, are. Yeah, of course. You, know, you guys so that's think that the was regulatory PR answers speech? as well. Yeah. So, okay. yeah. again, everything Phil Spencer says is yeah. going to be in the regulatory environment, right? Yeah. So, one of the things that's happening with what we talked about for, or I think what I just kind of pontificated on for 20 minutes or whatever I did earlier in the video <laughs> is that the regulatory environment is political in nature and whether or not they're suppressing competition or a monopolist depends on how you define the market, right? This is something we talk about in virtual reality a lot. You want to say it's all a gaming, Microsoft probably doesn't have a problem. If you want to say it's software as a service, gaming content providers, Microsoft might have a problem. If it's people that have an adjacent technological capability of providing cloud infrastructure at the same time, Microsoft might have a problem. But if, again, you're Phil Spencer, you're sitting there, what do I say to the public? You say, well, not only do I not have to stop at cloud services. Not only do I not have to stop at gaming, your honor, I'm not even competing with Sony and Nintendo. We're all in the same boat. 
What we're competing yeah. with is tech giants. And remember, when we talk about that regulatory environment, FTC or DOJ, who you really hate is not us. We're just Microsoft. We make operating systems. Who are we? <laughs> who you really hate is Facebook. Who you really hate is Amazon. Who you yep. really hate is Google. So I'm going to have a statement here that says, I, I, I'm not competing about Call of Duty and Halo. That's taking yeah. it too small. You know who I'm competing with? That asshole Jeff Bezos. So why don't you help me out, FTC and DOJ? And so I expect you'll see more of that, not just because of delusions of grandeur. Microsoft is known for that. I have no problem with that. Ambition's great. Phil Spencer wants to compete against those big dogs. That's fine. But also because it's enormously useful for saying, hey, the market isn't gaming. The market is eyeballs. The market is entertainment on the whole, if not the internet, if not the world regulatory agency. And how could we monopolize the world? <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. I, I think it's uh, it's like, you know, how people always act different when they're on camera. You know, it's like everything that Phil Spencer or people at Microsoft are saying right now, just imagine that they're saying it directly into the camera that the FTC is recording. You know, they're just like, hey, FTC, let me see that. We do that. You, you yeah, get that on camera? Cool, cool. Microsoft saying you have to worry about the tech giants just struck me as utterly hilarious when that yeah, statement yeah. came out. Um, Man. Because that's, everybody that's, knows that's who Washington hates the most right now. I mean, it's 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 bipartisan. Yeah. So you aim, aim your is, guns at them. Yeah. yeah. Let me get the super chat from Mr. Badbit. Dan, you want to hit this one? Yeah. Enjoy the combo and insight, insight, a hoag, uncancel. Insight? I can't. Man, I got to get new glasses. Here we go again. Actually, is it, enjoy it, the it, combo and in, in, insight. I, that's, I think that's what. All right. I think he meant to say insight. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I want okay. to take it the other I way. I know. Me too. Yeah. Uh, we want to make him mad. Yeah. Wait, <laughs> that's all right. Travis. I was reading that's this hashtag as no. UN so, cancel Travis. I thought we yeah, were that's that what I was going to say. It's not he wants the UN to cancel me. Wow. We both went there. Uh, right? <laughs> that was like the exact joke I was going to make. Damn it. Sorry, oh, man. man. Bad bit. You're Thanks, killing me. Thank you, Joe. All right. So. Um, where were we talking? We talking about mobile. Uh, we might as well comment on that real quick because I think a big aspect of this deal, as Xbox looks to reach more people globally, and it's directly in their press thing, is about global reach, right? Uh, mobile is where they want to be. They also talked about esports here because Activision Blizzard have deals with MLG and Major League Gaming. Uh, they have games like obviously Overwatch, which had its own, you know, um, own esports league, like we said, and Overwatch Two is apparently coming at some point in time. Um. Along with all the aspects there. So to put it into perspective for people, you know, they who have heard about Candy Crush and King Mobile this uh, this week, I actually looked it up in Candy Crush alone for King Mobile, just Candy Crush, not their other Crash Bandicoot run games and all these other little games. Candy Crush alone generated one point one billion in revenue last year. It's all uh, right. <laughs> I mean, they're doing that okay. was mostly grandmothers. <laughs> all of that. But I actually you- have played a lot of Candy Crush. It's it's no joke. Candy Crush is harder than any Dark Souls game. It, it is. I'm not joking. It is an incredibly difficult game. It is so hard in some of the later levels. In fact, in fact, it some of the levels are almost intentionally impossible to beat without you using power-ups because the power-ups cost money. So yeah. if you're doing a playthrough without any paid transactions, any power-ups, it is ruthless like one of the hardest games of all time so as a guy who's put more time than i care to admit into candy crush that game is brutal that game was super difficult 
Those so, companies respect. use mathematical modeling to get it to what, what are the chances of somebody can solve this without getting a life or some other power and that mm -hmm. kind of thing and get it down to high levels 0.0017, whatever that might be in order to keep that going while not violating whatever laws they're trying not to violate it. Yeah, exactly. They're slot machines. Yeah. Basically. I mean, they're, they're calculating odds to winning and yeah, they're casinos. Um, by the way, Jay yeah. Reddy says candy born games, the candy born genre. Oh yeah. Yep. Um, <clears throat> but long story short, we've talked at length here as you've looked at Xbox, obviously uh, moving to cloud and kind of accessible to the ecosystem, as we always say, from any device into the future. And, you know, the deal they made in South Korea, telecom and reaching the Japanese audience where obviously, you know, it's much more mobile focused, switch focused. Um, we've talked before about their uh, capability of putting their AAA games um, and their first party games in the hands of people with just phones or devices of that nature, PCs, et cetera, laptops. Um, obviously, I think the the play here is obviously much broader, which is now you're tackling um, not only all of those aspects, but the obvious mobile gaming aspects. Because for those who have any confusion about this, mobile gaming is far and away the largest chunk of revenue in the gaming space globally. I mean, it's not even close. Console gaming is uh, 15, 17% or something of that nature. Um, global gaming is overwhelmingly the vast majority. And I think as Xbox is looking to get that brand awareness out into those regions in the world where they've been generally unsuccessful or unable to uh, in the past, however many years we've been talking about this, uh, this is just the next and possibly biggest step in that evolution of mobile active, uh, monthly active user reach in the mobile space is what I meant to say. So I think this is one of the aspects of this deal that I'm most interested in seeing evolve over the next few years, personally. Well, and I, I think you can tie all of that into what we might have been talking about today as the biggest deal in video gaming history had we not had this week which is, of course, Take-Two buying directly into the mobile market with their acquisition of Zynga for a mere 12-some-odd billion dollars. Pocket change. Right? I mean, well, you know, it's not <laughs> 70. But, but that, those are the same story. Yes, Microsoft yeah. and Take-Two not participating in what every analyst and everybody that watches the industry can see, which is the rapid growth in mobile revenue. And you don't have to like it, right? I get commenters talking about loot boxes and casinos and microtransactions and Skinner boxes and all of this stuff. You don't have to like the mobile market or what it's become to understand that when we're talking about fiduciary duties and running your business and figuring out where to put cash, that I run a video game company and this portion of the market is exploding and we don't have a presence there is something that you have to look at as the CEO or the board or whatever. Um, and so Take-Two buying Zynga, Microsoft buying Kane, forget everything else, are two massive plays into this market that... A lot of you might not like, right? We might be seeing fancy IPs get the gotcha game treatment, whatever it is, but that are almost certainly going to be replicated in other ways across the industry because mobile is so, so popular and so revenue generating uh, at this point in time. And if I were gun to my head, you say, why did Microsoft do this deal? I would say it's king more than Call of Duty. Uh, and that doesn't, not to diminish Call of Duty or World of Warcraft or any of those things, because I think those are very valuable uh, but King and Microsoft being able to jump in with a company of that caliber, with that cachet that clearly knows what it's doing with respect to even keeping an existing property alive for a long time, right? You think Candy Crush is popular. That's true. But there've been a lot of popular things that have made a lot of money 
and faded a bit. It's, it's hard to keep that up for as long as King has done. And King has been one of, along with like Supercell and some others, the absolute shining lights in terms of how to make money off the mobile market. Yeah. And it's now going to be owned by Microsoft and bare minimum, they're going to get that analytics. They're going to get those data reports. Yeah. They're going to get that institutional knowledge. And that is enormously valuable to a company that can leverage all of that with much, much more cash. Yeah. Your last point is is the one I think is being overlooked the most. Um, you're not necessarily just paying for IP, just paying for current existing revenue. You're paying for knowledge um, and insight and analytics, as you said. And I think that's it's priceless in the long term, especially for a company like Microsoft. And you're getting the people. They call it Accu hiring in, the, hiring, in yeah. The, the, yeah, the tech <laughs> world. <laughs> King is enormously valuable. There's, yeah. there's no question. And it's one of the areas where Microsoft should be the most concerned in terms of if there were going to be a divestiture, if there were going to be a regulatory move, that might be the kind of thing that you look at because you can slice it off. Yeah. Uh, I don't think so because Microsoft doesn't have that presence in that market. And there's really no argument that they do. Uh, but certainly when we start talking about other jurisdictions uh, and King is interacting with those other jurisdictions more specifically than some of the American companies aspects of Activision, then if the European Union is going to move, it might move to protect King or otherwise. Hmm. Fair points. Fair points. Dan, Travis, anything to add on the mobile front? Um, I hope. <laughs> I hope. I hope. I hope. Uh, hope Game Pass on mobile becomes a thing. Give me, give well, me some Candy Crush power ups, guys. So it's part of my Game Pass subscription. So, so, so again, we can take that into the stories we've seen in the last year, right? We look at Epic versus Apple. And where was Microsoft coming out despite owning a, co a console that's at least ostensibly a kind of wall garden? I know Microsoft doesn't want to be that, but Xbox has exclusives and things like that. They were mostly coming out in support of Epic. That would, if their theory of that case would have proceeded, would have essentially broken walled gardens in the, in the United States antitrust law entirely, which is what the judge pointed out and said, no, that's not how these laws operate. But Microsoft doing that is on the Epic side, why? Well, because they have a recurring revenue service that operates as a platform that if they could put on an iPhone in that capacity and take their cut for Game Pass Mobile to go with Game Pass PC, to go with Game Pass, I don't know, whatever they wind up calling the Xbox ones that go on your TVs and your phones and your fridges and whatever, then that's a big benefit to them. So you have all these weird alliances and strange bedfellows where Microsoft had actual testimony on Epic's behalf to say, well, wouldn't it be great if maybe Apple couldn't control its platform this closely? And you say, okay, where, where does that lead? It leads to Game Pass. It leads to recurring mm -hmm. revenue models. It leads to Microsoft putting things like that on their services and getting all the revenue to themselves. Very fair. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, and I, I think uh, the, the they'll they'll probably never get that, as you point out, the Epic thing didn't work out, and the, it, you know it turns out Apple gets to control its own platform, which I guess makes sense. Uh, but you think. the yeah, you think, but uh, but um, I they they are finding a way around that. Like you can you can access uh, Xbox Cloud Gaming through their their browser based thing, and I think I think that'll probably happen for long enough, and either it'll take off, and and Apple will have to make some sort of concession or. There's got to be a middle ground in between uh, what they're what they were asking for, which is every single game get independently like, what is it ranked or listed or it was like it was analyzed by their app review process, right? So you have yeah, to go through which, and they have to approve them. Yeah. 
which is kind of ridiculous because it's yeah. it's kind of the same thing as saying I want to review every web page if you're trying to sell an app that's a web a browser. Bit. You know what I mean? A little bit it's like that. It's like, well, it, you know, not every web page that that is on your web browser app is approved. So, um, well, the, yeah, the it, second it, half uh, of that epic story is that they took that public relations that they got from that and they've moved it into asking for congressional changes, including this week. Right. We talked about the FTC in the DOJ press conference, but we, we didn't talk about the Senate passing bills or, or, or sending them up to the, the Senate for a major vote about whether or not you should crack open these platforms. Uh, and so it's clear that Epic's plan and the Coalition for App Fairness, which is what they call themselves and their other developers it, plan was to take that even as a potential loss in the Ninth Circuit, which I think it will be, and go and get laws changed, which is the more appropriate way to handle this, by the way, is to not For use sure. a law from 1890 and say it applies in this fashion. And to instead <laughs> say to Congress, it should do this. Remembering that as we talk about the political environment, the one thing Democrats and Republicans can agree on, maybe the only thing is that <laughs> they really don't like how much power the tech companies have, especially against them. Yeah. So they yep. might move on it. Yeah. Good. Yeah, I think they should. By the way, Mo, I fully agree. I would play a uh, Halo-themed Candy Crush. You got you might yeah. your chance. <laughs> Yo, those, those grunts got to eat that candy too. You know what I mean? Just, all the grunts would fit guys. in. Oh, God. Yeah, that would be perfect. Out. It'd be perfect. That's like already, yeah. Uh, let's get the super chat from our Abe over yeah. at Sarah. Yeah. Thanks, man. Uh, one bad mother, $5 super chat. I came for Travis and Dan's ridiculous hot takes, but I guess I'll set up for this amazing and insightful discussion instead. <laughs> I mean, you get a little bit of both. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. we got to do both around these parts. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Every once in a while, <laughs> insightfulness <laughs> pops out of my mouth. Not very often. Though. So, guys, I think, uh, you know, we've had a long discussion now on this deal. We could probably continue to talk for hours uh, on different aspects of this. And we will continue to, of course, for a long time to come. Hell, we're still talking about Bethesda, and that's, you know, a year and a half out. Uh, Old still- news, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think we will continue to. But I-, I will leave with just asking you guys, is there anything else specifically that we haven't touched on today that you want to talk on um, before we move on to just a couple other small topics. Uh, PlayStation's dead. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, we, yeah. Let's just get that out there. Right. Yeah. Just for right. Joe. Yeah. I just yeah. wanted to make sure we made sure, you know, we got that out there for okay. Mr. Bad yes. Bit. Okay. <laughs> oh, and tune into his new podcast, The Achievement Hall, uh, coming soon. Oh, right on. That's right. Yeah, nice. yeah we've already rebranded Trophy Room because Trophy Room's pointless at this point. So that's very no, I, mean, I think for me, it would be essentially a kind of um, sidebar to what I talked about earlier, which is there's a lot of strong opinions out there that's totally warranted. Um, you know, good things can happen. Bad things can happen from a deal of this type. Uh, but I, I always kind of go out there with reasonable minds can differ. We say that a lot on my channel. Uh, be kind. Uh, there's a lot of gray area here uh, on both sides of the equation for Microsoft and Sony. Uh, and so I, I think kind of observation and analysis is great, uh, but kind of putting people in a specific spot and otherwise uh, being so certain of the accuracy of your own position on something like this is probably yeah. unwarranted. So to the extent people can have good conversations, I highly recommend it. Uh, but don't just quash the guy that says PlayStation's dead. They could be, or that says Xbox is consolidating <laughs> and killing all of gaming. They could be as well. There's a lot of good to talk about and perspectives to be gained from talking with the other side of any question. Uh, and it's often easier when you're talking about things like this than it is for the hot button political topics of the day. So, you know, enjoy that process. Yeah. Agreed. Well said. 
Well said. Uh, funny enough, Abe said, uh, wait, where'd it go? Abe said, what's the over-under on how many times we'll hear, you don't spend $69 billion to this year? And I, uh, that's a running joke in our group is yeah. I can't – I actually said I think as soon as this was announced, I was like, let's wait to see how soon we hear, we don't spend $69 billion to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation. Like, right. Oh, my God. Times this week. Um, no, my, my favorite has been – it sounds like my kids when they were 10 years old. Well, he did it first. Well, he did it first. Well, they did it first. <laughs> Shut up. You're grown men and women. You're, you guys are adults. This isn't, you know, I mean, they don't do that anymore. They're 15. All right. Yeah. That's how, you know, 15 years old. They're done with that stuff because I, yeah. you know, also their businesses are different. Each, each yeah. side is just trying to win, right? Like Sony was doing Please. stuff because they thought it would financially you know, help them Microsoft. Them yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. It's like, oh yeah, let's, let's kick them while they're down. The Xbox one isn't doing well. Let's take all this content away from them and try to make as much money as possible. And that's like, that's what you would expect them to do because it's the only thing that's going to get Xbox back off the mat and start to get them to fight back. So I, I don't know. It's just, People get to it's not personal, it's just business. Yeah, guys. Personal. Not, it is just business. That that's that is, is absolutely true. And what yeah. looks like a tax, even there, you talk about hey, buying exclusivity during that generation. Part of that analysis is actually that it's gonna be uh, on a relative basis cheaper for the bigger, more successful console to pay for the loss of sales on the other console. And so you get contracts that look like a tax that make more economic sense going from one direction to the other. So when I say talk about the business and law of things behind the scenes, Sony can get something cheaper when they're the gorilla in the room than Xbox saying where Activision shows up and says, well, if you're going to buy this exclusive for this, you have to buy out what we could have made on that console and it becomes more expensive, relatively speaking. So yes, they were quote unquote kicking them when they're down also because that makes economic sense in yeah, that yeah. particular environment. Of course. Of course. Yeah. That's what you'd expect them to do. And again, like we've we've reaped the benefits. Like I've I've said on this podcast a bunch of times that like I play Xbox primarily, and I hope they're never the number one player ever. I never <laughs> want them hungry. to play PlayStation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> keep them hungry. Keep them humble because I benefit way better. And all of the the dude bros that play Call of Duty being on the PlayStation platform all last generation. Oh, it was beautiful. Oh my god, my oh, Xbox Live parties were amazing. Well, see, my Xbox Live parties were, were pristine because I, they were gone. They were just, yeah. And I would say broadly this, right? Like we don't want the competitors in the marketplace to die. A, a, a world without Sony's bad. A world without Nintendo's bad. A world without Microsoft is bad in this industry. But the one thing that you should be happy about is Microsoft finally, after decades, deciding to hurl $100 billion at this is a bet that they will have to go and get ROI and justify. They are pot committed to making the industry better, to selling more things. Maybe that doesn't wind up looking like what you want to buy in the future. Maybe it gets too mobilized. Maybe all sorts of things. Any number of things can happen. A meteor could hit my house tomorrow. But <laughs> the fact that a big giant company put $70 billion in the industry that's clearly interested in staying there and getting you products and content is good overall. They yes. want to participate. They want to compete. No, we don't want to see them absolutely crush everybody else because that variety is helpful. But it is a good thing for Microsoft to wake up and say, yeah, let's put $100 billion at video gaming. Yeah. Great point, man. Yep. Great point. Uh, another super chat from Mr. Badbit himself. Yeah. <laughs> Achievement Hall or Nintendo Nook patent pending. So, <laughs> That's yeah, a trade, that trademark, trademark pending. Yeah. yeah. His current show is called Participation Trophy Hall, right? 
<laughs> participation trophy room is that what they that, that's a great update to the name actually yeah, i like yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you joe appreciate it man <laughs> all right a uh, couple of things real quick guys i just wanted to touch on because there was other news this week believe it or not and i have i have to bring this up because it's just funny um and dan will get a laugh out of this is we actually have a release date for lego star wars the skywalker saga and a cool trailer and a very good trailer so uh and a polygon hit piece it was a hell of a day (laughs) (laughs) it is coming out on april 5th this has been a long time coming and the reason this is funny for anyone who's been here with us uh for a few years now on bitcast is we had a guest that would uh, not a guest excuse me uh someone who would show up to the show every week every Every week, week and ask me directly what inside information I had as to when this game was releasing. Every yeah, week. It's, it was ever since like, was it, it was E3 when you guys E3 went. 2019 because 2019, I did, yeah. did a video and an article on the game because we, we sat through the producer demonstration of this game at E3. It was very mm-hmm. good. We, we knew it was going to be a popular game. So I did that, but he thought I had some kind of insider you know, knowledge. I'm developing the <laughs> well, game. Spill the tea. Yeah. Spill the tea, Ains. What's but going on? And I said every week I don't have any more information. As soon as I do, you know, it was every I'll week, and it was awesome. Dude, it's so it's so funny. People's uh, understanding on the internet is hilarious. You know what I've gotten, Ains, and this this boggles my mind is I will write a review of a game, and then people will hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, and just DM me and be like, "Fix your broken game." <laughs> and all and all and and uh, like my review my review i'll be on the review going this game's super buggy it's super broken like i'll say that in the review and then when they discover the bugs they send them to me and tell me to fix them and i'm like what like did you like what did you think i was doing a hit piece on my own game like in the review like i'm just so well yeah, done been there. yeah they just yeah. i just google it, it comes up because ign obviously your review probably comes up yeah. damn near first and in SEO and then see your name and like, all right, we got to yell at him. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, this game, um, this game looks fantastic. If you're not familiar here, I, I wrote earlier this week, don't blow this off as another like new Lego game, even though it is obviously. Um, but it is a new engine. It's a new design of these games. It is a huge step forward from the Lego games we were playing primarily on a 360 generation and over the past several years. Um, so if you're into Star Wars, which I know, I don't know about you, Rich, but I've got Travis and Dan, who are both gigantic Star Wars fans here. Um, I have a complicated. It's it's complicated. What's the button on Facebook? Uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm a huge, huge, huge Star Wars fan. Uh, until about oh, I don't know, 2012. So you know, I it's. Okay. Uh, are you oh. booing me? Yeah, 2012. You like the sequel trilogy, Travis? Uh oh, I like it more Uh-oh. than the prequels. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, the look, prequels are the Travis prequels. And to me agreed are, are... On a lot. Travis and I have agreed on a lot. So it's only it only makes sense that Travis would be so so very wrong as to, <laughs> no. to disagree on this particular Here, point. This is the way I see it. We'll never have a better Star Wars movie than Empire. We'll never have a worse Star Wars movie than Attack of the Clones. So everything else we can just enjoy living in the middle. That's where we are in Star Wars. We're gonna I mean the just problem be in the middle. Thesis there's already been disproven in both 2017 and 2019, but it, it, it's all right. See, the Attack of the Clones actually had some basis in telling a story about the universe and the galaxy and the oh, politics. Boy. Unfortunately, Ryan Johnson, The Last Jedi, and then, of course, J.J.'s counterpunch, The Rise of Skywalker, did 
everything possible to scuttle any sense of world building or unification in the sense of a story. I, in I, I will, I will give you, or I will give you Rise of Skywalker, sir. It is, it is not a good movie. Uh, the Last Jedi is one of the best Star Wars movies. So watch your mouth. That's the Last Jedi was the worst Star Wars movie by far. I've written a paper wow. on it, which is actually my most viral story. Please do check it out. You can find it at Hogue Law. I believe it's called yeah. Luke Skywalker and the Age of Trump, I think. Uh, you can yeah. you can read that at your own uh, discretion. <laughs> Understanding, of course, that Travis, just a human being. We're human beings all the way down. Don't take it out on him. Uh, everybody makes mistakes. <laughs> hmm. yeah. I'm, and is this what it feels like to sit back and just L enjoy listen, this? Listen, yeah, I, I, I love everything about Star Wars. I mean, I'm, I'm more of a fan. Like like when, when, when they, they took everything and... Uh, I guess uncanonized it or, or you know made it all legends i guess Got rid of the EU, that, yeah yeah that was thank a, god there was a point thank there where, where well there was some stuff that i really really enjoyed you know timothy zahn has a sad timothy zahn yeah that, timothy well yeah zahn. but but they can rebuild that without keeping all right, of they the can't, stuff they can't rebuild Air of the empire my friend no that they was, took that it was out back and book. shot it in the kneecaps with they ryan that's Johnson. what they should do they sh you you take Air it out you canonize everything no and then you, okay now no no, no, no what they did is they they got they got they got rid of everything a hundred times better than the disney crap a hundred times that i agree with Hundred percent. Okay. Well, I I will say that a lot of the EU was complete nonsense. Sure. Oh, I like, like seven times. Station bad. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, but the, but the thing is, they're recanonizing most of Timothy Zahn's stuff. All of his stuff in the the early uh, days they're of the Republic. Thrawn because they like Thrawn. I get that. Yeah. They can't and, and, back and, and, and they're doing the, the old Republic. The old Republic is getting recanonized. They've already recanonized Bane. They've recanonized. Revan. See, they're, you they're say recanonized. I say skin suited with the names of things that were popular. That that's what no. I see Disney doing. Th Thrawn is better now. Thrawn is different. You have to admit, one way or the other, he's different, but he's better now. Yeah. He's, well, I the mean, reasonable minds can differ on that, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fight you. I preferred the Thrawn in the books, but Thrawn is fine in Rebels and whatnot. Yeah. But but Thrawn is different, and that's what Disney is doing. We're I know we're off on a side tangent here. We I'm loving it. But, yeah. but Disney takes what they think are popular names, like, oh, I don't know, Boba Fett, and they make bullshit stories about them because they know they're popular. Okay, Boba Fett, I can't defend, but I will say <laughs> I know a lot about Star Wars. I would love to debate you on The Last Jedi because I, I've never met, I've never argued with anybody who thinks Last Jedi is bad who has been able to give me a reasonable argument. At okay. all. Everyone well, I've got about a 17-minute video and a 6,000-word yeah. essay you can check out. And I would be more than happy here on this channel to invite you to guest on a special virtual legality extra where we debate the merits or more specifically the oh. merits of can the I, last Can Jedi. I be there make sure I'm there? I will agree to go to that because I will happily defend The Last Jedi. And you I've debated everyone, uh, everyone I know who knows a ton about Star Wars. And, you know, it's about 50-50 on, on this issue. Some people are split. But the people who, who don't like it, I'm just like, you're, you're just wrong. Like, you just... You can't, I don't understand how you, about the Luke thing. That's one of the main complaints. I just, I, I have I really a lot have of, written about 3000 words on Luke Skywalker and misunderstanding so have I. who the character I mean, is. Yeah. I, I, th great. I think, I think anybody who says that hasn't paid a lot of attention to Luke Skywalker in the original trilogy. That's Sounds like fighting words. Oh, yeah. I, I'm ready. Let's do it. A lot of comments going. Uh, yeah. Oh. Let's debate. Let's debate. And I just like the fact that for once, 
I'm not involved in the debate on this show, and I can just sit back and laugh. I'm actually yeah. surprised that Travis and I apparently haven't touched on this uh, third rail before. In oh, our uh, you know what? I, I've seen I've seen your tweets, and I've just decided. You, oh, okay, it's you your hands relationship. Oh, it's no, in our relationship because Lego because forward. I know I know there's issues that you'll never be able to convince anybody on. You know, like it's like when somebody says like, "Oh, I love Donald Trump," and you're like, "Well, why even debate with them? It's not like I'm going to be able to change their mind." But uh, it's one of those things where it's a third rail I don't touch early in a relationship. Oh, but I see. I feel like we've okay, gotten so we're to that on like third date level. I like it. Yeah, so. this is third date. Now okay, I'm telling good. you about my dark secrets. So, okay, yeah. good. Good, good. No, no, I, I think that that's great. And as you know, I mean, my, my approach is always the same. I got no problem with anybody liking anything I don't like. It's not going to be ad hominem attacks over in virtual legality land. We're just going to be talking uh, like reasonable people about why I'm right and you're wrong. Apparently, okay. Lego Star Wars is an interesting yes. topic. It is, it's the game of the year. All right. <laughs> well, it's it's actually, that, that, game, that game is going to be fantastic regardless, though. It is. I, it does I, look I like a good game. Yeah. It's, it's just interesting because I react so viscerally to sequel trilogy stuff that like that trailer bounces between um, the various trilogies that are in there because I, I don't know if people know it's all nine it's all nine yeah, movies yeah. that are represented it looks yeah. very very cool but but they'll bounce into you know it's like this shot of uh, Empire Strikes Back and then they'll have some Ewoks and then it'll be Kylo and Rey in the throne room and and my immediate reaction is oh and and so that's happening throughout this trailer. Uh, and it's really fascinating to someone that really does love Star Wars. I mean, I can, I got Star Wars stuff all over this room, um, but uh, that hasn't liked it since I say 2012. I was actually really excited in 2012. So it's really 2017. <laughs> um, yeah. So <laughs> that was great, guys. Thank you. Um, stay tuned Glad for that episode. Entertainment of value with my emotional pain. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, if, at least from what I saw of the game at the time, unless they've changed anything, the really neat thing about this is it's open world. All the planets from the or from the movies, excuse me, are in the game. All nine movies are representative and represented, excuse me. And you can go about exploring them and doing them in any way you see fit. So literally, you could start the game, and if you love Last Jedi, if you're a Travis and you want to go kind of do the Last Jedi stuff, go do it. If you hated it, you can never do it. You know what I mean? It's just it seems like a very kind of uh, open um, Star Wars game, which is really cool for the fans. That's By dope. the way, Steve has a great comment here. Um, I love Star Wars, but I hate everything about it, including the fans. <laughs> hey, the worst thing about Star Wars are the people who enjoy Star Wars. That is without a doubt true. That is does without it, a does doubt it not true. seem to get that way with any kind of huge, huge IP? I feel like we say that about a oh, lot some of, of them. Are, some communities are amazing, though. You ever, you ever like think a game is just okay, and then you meet the people that play it, and you're like, oh wow, like this is this is like kind of makes Holes. me destiny's kind of like that oh, actually yeah, the games are amazing but the community around it is incredible yeah like the, com the community around destiny i think the people say the friend game is the end game because the people that play destiny tend to be pretty like nice guys so it can be the opposite but with star wars it's very toxic there's also a lot of like racism and sexism in star wars community so that's dr drives a lot of it so um, I'm going to yeah. take that as not an implied attack on my good nature, but it's okay. <laughs> oh, no, 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 not, no, not on you, not on you. I'm just saying there's, there, there are a lot of people who hate the sequels because of diversity. And that yeah, is, no, I, I don't, unfortunately, so, they are your bedfellows in this case. So again, before we get, you know, really into it at some point, I do think there's, that does happen with toxic fan bases. And I, I, one thing I do think is important, and this is important in my life, this isn't just Star Wars or politics or virtual legality or otherwise, is that it is very easy to conglomerate groups uh, and to fight the worst of them, right? And so there's undoubtedly sure. bad actors sure. that don't like The Last Jedi or the Disney trilogy for any number of reasons, female lead, Finn, whatever, 
that definitely isn't me. In fact, I, I one of the things I get most upset about is I think Finn is completely wasted by Johnson and Abrams in eight and nine. Um, and, and, and so I don't disagree with you, but I do always tell people, I caution folks to just fight the conglomeration of badness that's on either side of this. Yes. Uh, either side of anything, not just Star Wars, which doesn't yeah. matter, right? That's why we can have fun, passionate fights about it is because, you know, we can go get drinks afterwards because it ain't that important. Uh, yeah. But that, yeah, of course, there's bad people, there's harassers and all these various things. I just don't want that to ever disarm what can be legitimate comments. This is, this is kind of one of the things I got into. I don't like Last of Us Part Two for narrative reasons. I did a long yeah, video about it. And um, you can get into that same bucket, which is you don't like it for this reason. It's like, I, did you watch the video? I mean, fortunately, yeah, exactly. I'm in a place where I'm putting my thoughts out there hours at a time. I'd be like, go point me to the place where I said any of that. Uh, but it's easy enough to do and it's easy enough to kind of disparage folks on that end. So I, I'm always... I'm always very cognizant of that because I always try to be aware of it when I do it myself. Uh, Cause there's, there's opposite end of every spectrum where you got some asshole somewhere given death threats yep. and you're like, no, that's, that doesn't represent my side of the equation. Yeah, for sure. Steve, Steve said, have drinks at the stupid casino scene. <laughs> the worst. <laughs> that is the worst scene in that movie. That, that scene is bad. I will give you that. I'll give you that. And my, my yeah. argument isn't even that like, yeah, anyway, we'll get into it. The prequels are way worse for a number of reasons, but yeah, yeah. I still love yeah. them all. I love all Star Wars movies. Riz <laughs> like, with a $2 super chat. We still talking about Star Wars or Fast and Furious? I think I saw through Tokyo Drift. And I understand that that's where became, most people stopped. Yeah. I, I think they became space warriors or something. I don't, I don't know where that's pretty much, that's pretty much. Where the smart ones stop rich. I'm with you. It's fair. It is a, uh, it is a live action anime guys. And if I, you, uh, I haven't seen anything. I occasionally see IGN articles about like the rock and Vin are fighting or something, but yeah, I, I don't they, know. They, uh, they don't get along. They don't okay. get along. So. There you go. That, that's my knowledge base. Yep. There you go. All right. <laughs> God. I well, didn't expect to start with conversation to go there, but I enjoyed it. Um, the only other thing I'm going to mention, just because this is a personal thing of mine, is that we finally got a trailer for the Cuphead show coming to Netflix oh. February 18th, and it looks amazing because Cuphead is awesome. The animation actually looks really cool, um, and that means it's only just a few weeks away. And as yet another thing in mid to late February that geeks like us can enjoy, that's actually the exact same day that Horizon Forbidden West comes out. So Ooh, what a day yeah. that's going to be. I'm going to be actually able to make it through some Cuphead content. That's, that's the one awesome. Cuphead content you can consume, Dan. Yeah, yeah that's it. Yep. Awesome. <laughs> Sorry, Rich, what you say? got to do co-op for a delicious last course. Oh, is that this summer? Yeah. It is June 30th. I think so, yeah. That's the release date. I think I saw that trailer and said, hmm, I wish that they had some levels. that like They did them in little models. They had like the little stick people and things. It's like, I would like to play that. Yeah, let, let, me, let me see what it feels like to interact with that one. But uh, <laughs> no, Cuphead's fun. I, I like Cuphead a lot. Yeah. It's interesting, right? That game started out as a boss rush and apparently got some flack. And it's like, I play that game and I wish it were just a boss rush. It's 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 interesting yeah. what happened to that process. Well, it yeah. only has like two or three. Yeah, uh, they're just like, like sporadic. Yeah. Six levels. Six running Six guns. Six levels, yeah. I've I meant like two per island. But yeah, it's like, it's very sporadic. Yeah. I would say it's mostly a boss rush. It is, yeah. It's like 20... I don't know, 27 bosses or 22 or so. Anyway, but um, yeah, so I'm excited about that. And uh, so it means we're getting Cuphead show and Cuphead content this year makes me very happy. All right, fellas. 
I think on that note, we're going to start to close down here. A couple things I want to mention real quick. Uh, we did launch the uh, Season Gaming Patreon, and we I think we have 16 or 17 patrons already, which is nice. uh, very welcome. Um, a few of those joined us and are finding our content for the first time, thanks for, to our first piece of exclusive content on the Patreon, which was a conversation I had with Colin Moriarty um, last week. We talked for about 75 minutes or so. Got into a lot of topics. He even told me uh, I don't usually share this much during the show, which was great. Uh, talked about IGN and kind of funny. We talked about the fallout there with kind of funny. We talked about him being opinionated and, you know, the PlayStation podcast, a lot of things. And it's funny, Rich, because the comment you just made a moment ago about being able to, to talk with people and converse or to have discourse on a topic that you may disagree heavily on. Um, even if it's a topic that's meaningful in the real world, not Star Wars, but whether it be politics or, you know, anything else, um, you know, we, we seem to be in an area now, and I don't want to go too long about this, where it's, uh, you know, sides, everything's two sides, you're either here, or you're here and absolutes and, you know, the ability to converse on a topic, even if you disagree is very important. And, um, you know, people, I've had people actually reach out and say, why did you talk to Colin? I hate that guy, or he believes this and stuff. And it's I've, like, I've had that DM. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, well, yep. you know, one of the things we talk about in the conversation is the fact that we need to be able to sit down and just talk to one another and, you know, make sure things aren't misconstrued or assumptions aren't made and and a lot of those things like that. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's very important to all of us, uh, no matter what you believe. Um, so anyway, other than those terrible extremes, which you referenced, they don't deserve the time of day. But you know what I mean? That's that's yeah. the outlook liars well it's a uh, chip. you have to give the disclaimer but yeah that's absolutely yeah. right i mean one of the things i say i get dms all the time right like i was on a set of three uh, uh streams uh with a lawyer on youtube by the name of nick Ricada, right okay. who you may or may not know we were covering the rittenhouse trial and it was okay. a bunch of lawyers talking about some pretty intense stuff sure. i got a lot of dms about it i said look uh, if you believe in me, if you believe in the analytics here and what I've put out there for three years, and you've heard me as much as my wife probably has in that course of time, then the goal is to get that information out there to talk with people that may or may not agree with you. And I go on Nick's channel. I go on um, uh, Legal Eagles channel, fully different political persuasion, um, that there should be a functional ability to say, look, I think you're a reasonable person. You're thinking things through. You've come to a different conclusion from me. I don't have to agree with you when we get done discussing it, but guilt by association is enormously problematic to having the conversation. I talk to yeah. people not because I agree with them. I talk to them because there's value to be gained from conversing with other individuals. Yeah. Um, and as we just found out, you know, I, I love Travis to death. We have great interactions and every podcast I've ever been on with him. But Likewise. Twitter, we obviously disagree very strongly on something that thankfully is unimportant, but we disagree very strongly <laughs> on it. And that doesn't change my opinion of him. That yeah. says, I, I'm actually, I actually get curious. I think you're a smart guy. How did you arrive at these specific conclusions? How did you become no. so wrong? <laughs> but, <laughs> well, no, but seriously, like, what is, what is it about this that works for you? Because ideally, perfect world for something stupid like Star Wars, he can convince me to love it, right? I want to love things, damn it. I, I don't <laughs> sit here saying I want to dislike something. Sure. It's like, Travis, weave your magic spell, man. Change my world. Uh, and that would be fine. I am, I, I am, uh, I'm quite good at making people, uh, at least appreciate things. You know? I'd be freaking amazing. <laughs> I was, I was trying to find I, at I'm least one thing I love about every, every, every game I review or what have you. But that, that, that is important. And unfortunately, like you just said, I get inundated 
with DMs. I don't think any of you have a political persuasion of specific kinds online. But if you did, I, you could be guaranteeing that I would get that message and say, why'd you talk to this guy? Yeah. As like, yeah, because yeah. talking is, is how we grow. Talking is how we learn. And that's an important part of the process. And unfortunately, that just becomes so hardened on the internet. And, and one of kind of the, it's, it's not surreptitious or anything, but one of the reasons virtual reality is built the way it is, is because we can talk about some pretty important stuff, how to read statutes, exactly what constitutional analysis looks like, hopefully in mostly contexts that are about pop culture, contexts that don't have this huge weight on top of them so that you can hopefully build your own toolbox of critical analysis, however, and you can disagree with me to the cows come home after you're done figuring out how you want to analyze things, but that everybody is better able to do that after you go through that process. That ideally, when I'm feeling really, you know, this is a good thing I'm adding to the world, that's part of that story is that hopefully more critical analysis, more thinking through issues, understanding structures and contracts in business and law so that, yeah, you can use it for more important stuff than whether Spider-Man appears in the MCU. But hopefully that's the problem. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, would, I would say even even the most extreme views that you see, Ains, the, the fanboys, the people who uh, maybe don't like Star Wars because of reasons that have nothing to do with the story and more to do with diversity and stuff, even those people aren't unsavable. I, I don't like it when people are like, hey, don't even talk to those people. They're not worth your time. It's like, hey, they're humans and have some empathy. If you were grown grown up where they are and had their history, would you feel the same way and try to figure out how they feel that way and talk to them? Like I talk to anti-Semites sometimes uh, in real life or on the internet. And it's just like, yo, like what, what, what got you there? Like, let's talk about it. Cause you can, you can at least move the needle a little bit just by having a conversation and showing that you're a person to somebody else. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I, I, I think uh, at the end of the day, we're all people. Empathy is a learned skill. And, and if you don't flex that muscle, it, it, uh, it gets it atrophies. Right. So um, it's, it's know. funny because I was going to add one thing to what Rich said. And now that you said that, Travis, so I'll just add two things real quick. And we're, we're definitely on a much broader conversation than gaming at the moment, but it's a good conversation. So <laughs> well, the, uh, a couple of the other things I, you know, the conversation I had with Colin was about both of those things is that uh, one to Rich, to your point is, um, it's a good thing to be challenged. You need to be challenged. Um, you should be challenged. You should enjoy being challenged when you associate. And we see this a lot in the gaming space, which I think, you know, we've talked enough of here that frustrates me. And I know many others, um, people just tend to associate in these groups that only completely agree with their, whatever they believe or whatever they like, or what have you. And that, that doesn't do anything for you as a person. It doesn't help you grow. It doesn't, um, make you think outside the box or, or form new opinions or learn or any of these things. And that's not a good thing. Um, and I think, you, you know, you need to, people in general need to do that more. And the other thing to your point, Travis, that we talked about was about the fact that as human beings, we all share a lot more in common than we don't, right? We all need basic things in life. We all want basic things in life. There's things that we need that, that we feel, um, and we're getting really existential now, but you know what I mean? There, there's a lot more to just being human um, than all of these kind of things, nitpicky labels that we'd like to debate about or argue about. Um, and I wish people would spend more time thinking about that, too. But now that we're way off uh, off topic here. Anyway, to our new patrons. Thank you. Um, if you want to check out that conversation, you can uh, through Patreon. Uh, the links you can find on uh, on Season Gaming and the Patreon itself. So thank you so much to all those who uh, who reached out, checked it out, and have signed up. Uh, our extraction review, Rainbow Six Extraction, Rich mentioned it at the beginning of the show. Our review's up on that. 
first review from uh, Eric, Mr. Game Positive, who uh, super chatted earlier in the show. We we joked with him that we have to uh, work with him a bit because it's far too long of a review. He gets very wordy in it. Um, but if nothing else, he does provide a lot of detail on the game itself. Give a, a, a longly, uh, a largely formed opinion. Spent a lot of time with the game. So you can check that out. And uh, Dying Light 2, I believe Steve, who's still in the chat, is going to be reviewing that for us as well. So look for that because as uh, Travis said, that comes out in just a week and a half. So it's uh, it's not far now. So with me. that, <laughs> with that, uh, we'll go ahead and wrap up. Rich, man, it's been an absolute pleasure having you here today. Absolutely. Uh, great conversation. I, I honestly, I'll say right now, I think this is one of the favorite shows I've had or we've had, excuse me, uh, in some time. This was a fantastic show. Um, I feel that we brought something to the conversation you're probably not going to get out of a lot of other shows on this topic. So that always makes me happy. So thank you for bringing that. Thank you for uh, for everything. And why don't you tell people uh, where they can find you? Absolutely. Well, you can all you already know you can hear my either wrongheaded or right-headed Star Wars takes wherever direction you come from there on Twitter at Hogla, H-O-E-G-L-A-W. But folks more prominently know me, I think, for Virtual Legality, our YouTube channel and series uh, at youtube.com slash Hoglaw, where we do talk about the business and law of video games, pop culture, and more seemingly every day at this point in time. I think the last seven videos are Activision Blizzard's acquisition. Uh, but we talk about a lot of different angles on a lot of different things, and hopefully uh, you'll enjoy it. Please do check it out. Thank you, awesome. sir. And uh, let me shout out chat real quick, too. Chat, you guys have been fantastic today. A lot of good conversation in the chat. Appreciate the super chats, of course, and just, um, you know, everyone being engaged. So thank you so much. If you're listening to this later uh, on our audio services, uh, please know that uh, Apple and Spotify now uh, has a review system. If you like what you're hearing on Big Cash, you like how we're evolving the show, please rate us, give us a review, give us feedback. We greatly appreciate it. It does help uh, just like it does on YouTube, giving us the uh, the like and sub. So um, all of that, um, very appreciative of. So thank you. Travis. Yeah, well, first, again, thanks, Hogue, for coming out. Uh, your expertise is always awesome. Also, the bromance is very much mutual. When I when we first got on that uh, that cast with uh, with Mass Effect, I think it was the yeah, first time Mass we met. I, I, you I was like, this is my dude. Was great. Yeah, I was like, this is my <laughs> dude. Like, uh, he, uh, even though we have different opinions, like the way he argues, it's very, like, I I, I think maybe I, I, I get along with lawyers because they have a very logical way of thinking, so... Um, yeah, always, always respect you and appreciate you, you coming around. Also, the Mass Effect debate, like two and one. I mean, they're both good. They're both great games. Like I'm, I'm, I felt weird in that debate because I was like, I was like, I prefer two. I was like, I prefer two, but like barely. Like it's weird that I'm fighting so hard for this side. Like you know what I mean? Like it's like it's close. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, anyway. Um, yeah, you can, uh, you can follow me on Twitter. If you hate yourself, uh, my tag is at Ty guy, Travis. Uh, you can also read my articles, previews and reviews on IGN.com. Uh, this week I, uh, my review of Windjammers two went live, uh, which is a, uh, a sequel to an old Neo Geo game. I really liked it. Spoiler. I gave it an eight out of 10. You should play that game. It's on game pass. Uh, and, uh, uh, this week, this next week, I'll be working on dying light Two. That review will be live early February. I think February 2nd is when the embargo lifts and I'll be able to talk about fully everything and, and assign a review score. So I'll, I'll probably be meeting embargo on that. And then later in the month, I'm reviewing crossfire X and destiny, the witch queen. So, uh, I've got a lot of stuff on my plate, but that's me. And when you start in your law firm. 
I'm starting my law firm just as soon as I go to law school and uh, get take that bar exam and all that stuff. I was pre-law. I actually did consider law school. It was a real thing. But uh, you get I, that bar uh, license, it, Travis. You got a space at Hogue Law. Nice. I'd love it, go. man. I love yeah. it. As long as I get to help with the YouTube videos, you know. Absolutely. Uh, so. <laughs> and awesome. uh, I wish you best of luck on your new journey with Xbox and the acquisition. Yes. I, I hope Rats. you enjoy your career path. I, th I think it's going to go well. You know, I mean, I, I, I like I like the outlook. You know, uh, Hogue has you know kind of settled a lot of my fears. You know, going into this acquisition of Dan, um, so so I, I think I'm going to be good. Short of that, uh, thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Great insight as always. I kind of echo what Ains said. You know, we this has been one of my favorite shows. You know, for sure in the last six months. You know, no offense to our past guests but this has been very insightful and and, and stuff you know it, 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 it went to a topic that you know i'm very interested in but i know little about so it was actually really cool man so appreciate you nice fantastic guys again thank you everyone for tuning in hope you've been enjoying big cast so far this year we're gonna keep uh keep bringing these shows to you because uh i think we're having a blast and um we're doing something a little different which is what we intended to do all along so thank you for all your support thank you for tuning in that was BitCast 187, and we will see you next Sunday. Peace.